money and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond. This is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, a prime price hike. Amazon raising the cost of its central subscription service by 20 bucks to $139 a year. Shares jumping about 18% in late trade. How many users will really pay more? We'll discuss. Plus, Meta makes history, the unwelcome kind. The stock plunging, wiping out more than $230 billion of market value after reporting Facebook's growth has stalled. And NFTs, crypto, and much more. We'll talk about it all with Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian on the heels of his VC firm raising half a billion dollars to invest in the companies of the future. All of that in a moment, but first, we've got to get to these massive market moves. Meta plunging, Amazon soaring after earnings and Snap taking off like a rocket, Ed Ludlow, here to walk through all the high highs and low lows, low low with Facebook specifically. Uh, em, I hope you've had a strong cup of coffee today. <laughs> Let's do this. NASDAQ 100 down 4%, biggest drop since September 2020. Why? Meta Platforms, parent company of Facebook, down 26.4%, wiping out $252 billion of market value, the biggest wipeout of market value in a single day by a U.S. company in history. And clearly, the equity markets turned on this. It snapped four days of gains across the Nasdaq 100. We were in risk-off sentiment. You see the Bloomberg Galaxy Crypto Index, that basket of the most valuable tokens that Bloomberg covers, also down in a broader risk-off environment. Environment. Let's look at the Nasdaq 100, right, over the last five days. We asked this question all day long. Is the rally in tech stocks over? Well, I mean, at least it's on pause, right? We have stopped dead the momentum we have, which was the best run and gains in the Nasdaq 100 since November of 2020. Another number, Emily, for you to hit in your head and keep in your mind for the time being. We've got to get to the after hours action. And I'm laughing because what is happening, Emily? <laughs> What? <laughs> Snap is up 55% in after hours. It had been up as much as 58%. A really big beat on the top line. User numbers coming in much better than expected. Pinterest also getting in on the act. Ford has a beat on the top line in the fourth quarter just gone. It misses on the bottom line. And it's given a pretty gloomy outlook for 2022, which, by the way, includes rising inflation, supply chain disruptions, ongoing semiconductor shortages, and rising commodity costs. Okay, let's get to Amazon. Amazon after hours, what is it doing? Okay, we're up, but here's the thing. A bit of a mixed picture. 18% gain in after hours, a strong fourth quarter, but a pretty conservative outlook for the current quarter, which the street is still digesting. But the big takeaway, price rises for Amazon Prime and strength in the cloud unit. I'm going to leave it there. That's it. I'm out. I'm done. A lot of shares changing hands today. Yeah, that's all I can say. I want to stick with Amazon and bring in Melissa Burdick, co-founder and president at PacView and Amazon veteran. Melissa, what do you make of the prime price hike and whether people are really going to pay more? Is this investor reaction? Does it make sense? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, they've, they've had a history of raising prime prices every four years. We're at that four-year mark. Uh, I've heard analysts say that an, an additional $20 price increase will add another $1.6 billion in revenue for Amazon. And they've had tons of, you know, 
there's cost increases coming. So there's a lot coming their way. So, you know, they've also added a lot of benefits to Prime. So yes, it makes total sense. Set that four-year mark. And the other thing is that I think half the U.S. population is a Prime member and their retention rates are super high. So I think that, uh, I think it all makes sense. So uh, let's talk about then how they keep members coming back to Prime, right? They got to keep sweetening that deal. Does that mean, you know, continuing to spend billions of dollars on Prime Video or something else? Well, they continuously add more benefits. They have definitely added lots of new streaming capabilities, new shows, Jack Ryan. Um, you know, they, they will continue to do that. But I think at the end of the day, people love the Prime membership. They love the fast shipping. They like how easy it is. And so I think that's it's a, it's a no-brainer for for a lot of people that are already in the in the business now. You know, let's talk about uh, what's next for Amazon. Obviously, we've had this big leadership transition under Andy Jassy. Uh, we're coming out of a pandemic where there's concern. You know, how many people are going to keep buying uh, things on Amazon? And you've got stiffer competition from Target and Walmart and others who've really shored up their e-commerce operations. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there is competition coming, but one of the strengths of Amazon, and, and I think one of the reasons why we saw such great results in Q4 is the power of their third-party marketplace. So others like Target and Walmart, they also are looking at increasing their third-party marketplace as well. But Amazon has such a great lead ahead in that area. Um, you know, they fill in selection gaps. So there's this huge supply chain, you know, shortage this year. And so it was the place where you could go to find anything that you wanted. So if your favorite brand was out of stock, a third-party merchant was able to fill in that selection gap. So I think that that's, that's one of their greatest strengths and it will continue to do so. Does a rise in the stock price uh, this big, do you think it'll have a significant impact on retention and recruiting? I mean, there's been concern, obviously, uh, about the stock languishing, that equity is a huge part of retaining employees at Amazon. Absolutely. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because there has been such a huge exodus this year at Amazon, especially within executives. And a lot of people say it's because of the compensation. They place a lot of emphasis at Amazon over stock and that, that takes up a lot of your compensation. So the fact that the stock has declined so much this year has resulted in people making less money. And so they're going other places. I think that's another reason why Amazon's probably going to have to look at better benefits, more pay for, for their people. So I think that might be coming too. What about, uh, you know, when it comes to the fulfillment centers? I mean, clearly Amazon has been battling an image problem, a, a sort of likability problem, especially when it comes to you know, how the company treats warehouse employees. They've definitely uh, raised the minimum wage there, um, but, an, but an equity jump doesn't necessarily have an impact on them. Yeah, I mean, there has been a lot of uh, press around that this year, but I also think that Amazon is committed to, to helping their people, and they've said that. So they, they definitely have some work to do in that area, and I, I believe that they will, they will focus on doing that. All right, Melissa Burdick, president of PacView, former longtime Amazon employee, thanks so much for joining us. I want to get now to Meta, of course, shares plunging more than 25% in this epic route. Huge 
in terms of scale. This is unlike anything Wall Street or Silicon Valley has ever seen, and certainly uh, Facebook or Meta itself. Bloomberg Sarah Fryer joining us now to break it all down. Mark Zuckerberg had a meeting with the troops today to talk to employees, try to give them some encouragement. What did he have to say? And our own Naomi Nix got the scoop. It was it was really a, an interesting event. He he appears and his eyes are red, and he's he makes this joke that if he starts to cry, it won't be because what he's about to talk about. Um, but it turns out he scratches cornea, and he explains to the employees that listen, this is the part where they're going to have to really own video. They're going to have to figure out Instagram reels. They're going to have to figure out a way to go up against TikTok. They've never faced this much competition. And there also was a little bit of discussion of, of how to retain employees. Employees asked for longer weekends, perhaps, uh, talked about their burnout. And, and of course, they've been really watching the stock price. Some employees are are considering buying the dip while other employees are worried about what's going to happen to their net worth. Mark Zuckerberg's has dropped 31 billion today in a historic wealth loss. Let's talk about Mark Zuckerberg, what he's had to say about TikTok. Take a quick listen to this. People have a lot of choices for how they want to spend their time, and apps like TikTok are growing very quickly. And this is why our focus on reels is so important over the long term. Sarah, what's the sense you're getting from employees? I mean, we were just talking about a stock going up, impacting retention at Amazon. How does a stock going down when Facebook's already facing these huge reputational issues in the middle of a big pivot to the metaverse that nobody knows for sure if it's going to work out? How does that impact employees at Facebook? Well, it's not, it's not good for morale. I mean, this is a company that uh, has been through a lot reputationally, but the stock has always gone up. Revenue has always gone up. User growth has always gone up, and now they're hitting a wall. And so if you're an employee at Facebook, maybe you didn't leave for any of the scandals. Maybe you didn't leave during any of the congressional hearings or privacy privacy problems, maybe you thought, well, hey, I'm still building great things and I can pay my mortgage and, and I can um, do what I want to do with my life. Well, if your net worth just lost a quarter of its value today, um, you might start to think of, of getting another job. And the, the employee shares vest on February 15th and they are having their uh, regular bonus season in March. And so one thing we really are going to have to watch is what happens. Do we, do we see a brain drain at Facebook? Do we see Facebook um, trying new things to, to recruit people? And obviously they do want to recruit a ton of people. They need those people in order to usher in this new era of the metaverse, the immersive Internet idea that Zuckerberg has. So let's talk about what's going on with Snap. Is all the money that's coming out of Facebook today going into Snap? Well, one of the big challenges is the Apple privacy changes, saying that companies can't can't track unless users opt in. And that was a big factor that Facebook said was affecting its earnings, um, contributing $10 billion in, in damage from that Apple problem. So people thought that that would happen with Snap, too. But Snap had had a great quarter. They had their first gap profit ever. Um, Evan Spiels really ushered in this new era of augmented reality advertising, and a lot of retailers are excited about it. 
this is this is a company that that's done very well. Pinterest has also done very well in this quarter, which which shows that the Apple problems are really maybe mostly Facebook problems. All right, uh, Sarah Fry, we're going to continue to watch all of these stocks. Huge, huge moves. Also listening in to these earnings calls, uh, our Sarah Fryer who covers Snap, Facebook, and Big Tech for us. Thank you. Coming up, fresh off a massive deal with Microsoft, we break down results from Activision Blizzard with Hope Cochran, managing director of Madrona Ventures, also a former top gaming exec at the maker of the hit mobile game Candy Crush, which got bought by Amazon back in the day. What she thinks of the latest rush of M&A? Next, this is Bloomberg. Nintendo is cutting the sales outlook for its highly popular Switch for a second quarter in a row. The company says it expects to sell 23 million units instead of 24 million, blaming lower than expected sales on chip shortages and shipping issues. This comes just one day after Sony cut more than 3 million from its PlayStation 5 sales forecast, blaming the chip shortage and shipping costs, which they say have gotten so expensive, Sony expects higher profit despite lower PS5 sales. I want to stick with the world of gaming now and Activision Blizzard also out with its results falling just short of expectations. This after just two weeks since Microsoft announced that nearly $70 billion deal. For more, I'm joined by Hope Cochran. She is the managing director of Madrona Venture Group and was also the CFO of King Digital, which was acquired by Activision Blizzard back in 2016. King Digital, of course, the maker of the very popular game. Candy Crush, Hope, thank you so much for joining us. What's your take on this big Microsoft and Activision deal? Does it make sense to you? It does make sense. Emily, hi, it's good to see you and thanks so much for having me on. You know, when you think about January in the gaming world, it's been quite a month. You know, we started on January 10th with Take-Two announcing that they were buying Zynga for 12.7 billion. That seemed like a fairly significant transaction. A week later, we had Microsoft coming in to buy Activision at, you said, almost 70 billion, 68.7 billion. And then we ended the month with uh, Sony buying Bungie. Um, and we can't forget about Wordle being bought by New York Times. So incredible activity in the gaming industry in this one month period of time, the way to kick off the year. When I think about Microsoft buying Activision, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. I mean, they're getting a tremendous asset in the Activision library in the franchises that Activision has built up. Um, they're also getting an incredibly amount of engaged users. You know, I think today in the earnings report, Activision talked about 370 million monthly active users. That's, and that user base loves those games and loves engaging on a regular basis. So Microsoft is also gaining that user base which is pretty exciting. And just a talented group of employees as well, you know, is coming over with the acquisition. So there's a lot of good in that company and you really can see the two combining nicely together. But what about the cultural issues? I mean, you know, you briefly were, were part of the Activision family. I'm sure you've been watching the ongoing litigation and sexual harassment concerns. Can Microsoft get that under control and should Bobby Kotick still be the CEO? You know, Microsoft has a job to do. And let's remember that this acquisition is expected to take through June of 2023. 
So there's quite a bit of time to work through those. Now we know these problems don't end quickly. Um, you know, when I think about my time at King, that's when Gamergate came out. And that's when the big discussion about women in the gaming industry was first brought to light. It's been an issue for a long time um, and it needs to be addressed. So it's good to see that it's getting the, the focus that it needs and whether it's fixed under Activision during this period, I'm sure it'll have more to go once Microsoft takes it on. How concerning are the supply chain issues seeing now Nintendo and Sony you know, just talking about how difficult these challenges have been to navigate. The supply chain issues are throughout our economy, aren't they? I mean, it's tremendous how they're impacting everything from the shortage of chips to just the actual ability to get goods where they need to be. You know, we're feeling it in all different industries. They're saying, you know, and I don't want to speak specifically to chips or to the supply chain, but it's going to take a full year for this really to work through the system. So it's really impacting, you know, all of these different companies. Now, uh, I want to talk a little about about some of these other deals that are that are happening, Bungie, Halo, Destiny. What do you make of all of this consolidation that we're seeing? Is it is it really good for the industry when the government and really society is scrutinizing the power of big tech? Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one to think about in that regard. I mean, clearly there will be a lot of regulatory scrutiny around it, um, but the gaming industry is pretty disparate. I mean, there are a lot of different gaming industry, gaming companies out there. So it's hard to say that one has, you know, greater influence over another. So there has been a lot of consolidation. I do think it makes a lot of sense when you have a franchise or an IP it's really well-known and well-loved to have lots of different avenues to be distributed of. Those fans want to access those IPs and those franchises in any way they can. So enabling them to have that access is really exciting. You know, when you think about um, Bungie being bought by Sony, I just think that's such an exciting development, especially, you know, for both companies, but for Bungie and having Sony have that property, that property has been one of the top PlayStation games for a long time. And so it'll be do really well under the Sony name, but also they're ensuring that Bungie will be its own company and be able to operate as it did before, as they were so clear to state. So, you know, I think there's a lot of consolidation. They can leverage a lot of the ways to reach consumers, but hopefully maintain the magic of those independent studios. All right, Hope Cochran, Managing Director of Madrona Venture Group. Thank you for sharing that perspective with us. Coming up, my conversation with California Congressman Ro Khanna on the heels of his new book and how Congress should rein in big tech. That's next, this is Bloomberg. From Meta and Google to Twitter and Apple, Silicon Valley is home to some of the world's largest technology companies, and it is that influential part of California that Representative Ro Khanna represents in Congress. Khanna is out with a new book called Dignity in a Digital Age, in which he argues for a decentralization of tech power and wealth 
away from major cities like San Francisco to create job opportunities across the country. I spoke with him earlier and asked him about what he found most troubling when you look at the biggest tech companies right now. Take a listen. I think there's an insufficient concern uh, for dignity uh, and human agency online. Uh, what is most troubling to me is people having uh, surveillance on everything we do, everything we uh, think about or type in uh, online, and then these companies getting that data. Uh, I cite Tim Cook's commencement speech at Stanford, where he said, to be human means that we need some zone of privacy, some place where uh, we can't just be manipulated with information uh, about us. And that's why I worked with Tim Berners-Lee on an Internet Bill of Rights, uh, so that you would have to opt in uh, to give your data, and we couldn't just have companies taking this data from us. That, to me, would help be a first step in preserving our dignity uh, online. Now, we're in the midst of one of the deepest partisan divides in modern history, but tech seems to be a place where Republicans and Democrats are finding common ground. That said, the devil's in the details. When and where will there be consensus specifically? Emily, there's been consensus on the Innovation Competition Act, so we're going to see the largest investment in technology since the Kennedy days, and that's going to be distributed around the country, and it will have the CHIPS Act, which is going to have semiconductor manufacturing. I was very, very proud to work with Senator Schumer on that and Congressman Mike Gallagher, Senator Todd Young. That's bipartisan. When it comes to privacy and antitrust, that has been harder. And uh, frankly, we haven't done well enough. We ought to come to some consensus, at least on basic principles of privacy, making sure that people know what's happening to their data, that, that, that companies have a fiduciary duty uh, to treat data responsibly, that you have to opt in uh, to consent. Uh, and on antitrust, I think we're making progress. But again, I don't think you can have just a break up these companies philosophy or restrictions that don't, don't take consumer welfare into account. Uh, if we can tweak some of the language to have that balancing uh, test, then I think that can pass as well. Do you feel an urgency to get something passed, something more passed on tech regulation ahead of the midterms because Democrats might lose control of the House? Yes, Emily. I mean, I'm going to be straight. Uh, the president's party often doesn't do well in midterms, and we only have a three-seat majority in the House. Do I hope we win? Absolutely. But we can't take the chance uh, if things don't go our way. So we have a one-year window to get something done, because I don't think a Republican House is going to uh, do anything. And it would be uh, absolutely problematic if we don't pass legislation, especially as we look to 2024 and the role that disinformation could play in disrupting our democracy. California Representative Ro Khanna there talking about his new book, Dignity in a Digital Age. You can catch that full interview at Bloomberg.com. We also got into blockchain, cryptocurrency, the metaverse, and so much more. Coming up, more funding for crypto startups. Alexis Ohanian's firm, 776, raising $500 million in additional funds to plow into the companies of the future. We'll talk to him about crypto, NFTs, social networks in a perhaps post-Facebook era and more. Plus, later, I'll dive into the future of fitness with Rishi Mandel, CEO of the connected fitness company Future and actress and investor Kate Hudson, also the co-founder of Fabletics. This is Bloomberg.
Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. I'm going to get back to those massive after-hours market moves. Our Ed Ludlow has had some time to recover, I hope. Ed, what's the latest? <laughs> yeah, look, Snap's still up big in after-hours, 54 55%. It had been up more than 60% just a few moments ago. I think we just take a beat here and think about the numbers. Yes, they beat in terms of the user base. What was really interesting, they sneaked to profit. Net income of one cent per share. Okay, is that a pro one cent per share profit? But it's interesting because it's their first ever as a public company. And what the else jumps out at me from the call is this idea that they have not returned to pre-pandemic trends. So, for example, they're saying that people are not looking at their friends' stories on Snap a chat like they were pre-pandemic. What they're looking at is at original content. That's where they're doubling down. Also, I hate to pick on Meta and Facebook, but if you remember, M, Facebook had really big problems in certain markets and regions where it actually shrunk rather than have flat growth. Well, let's bring up this quote from Evan Spiegel, of course, the co-founder and CEO of Snap. And he's talking about growth. He said they grew sequentially in all regions, but in North America and Europe, they're looking at making more money. They really think they can squeeze out more dollars. And in the rest of the world, emerging markets elsewhere, that's where they see growth. And so, you know, it's really interesting, this forward-looking idea. So we're hung up on this massive after-hours move. Let's bring everyone back down to earth. Remember, Snap has had a rough start to 2022. And when I say rough, I mean, look at this chart rough. Because this chart, of course, takes into account the massive drop that Meta had on Thursday. And Snap really underperforming. So let's see where we go, right, on Friday. Let's see how the market processes this overnight and if we have a continued or a snapback reality, forgive the pun, on Friday in tech stocks. But there's a lot to take on board here. Right. This is all still just after hours moves at right. Ludlow. Thank you. We're going to talk about this and more with our next guest. 776, Alexis Ohanian's venture firm just raised $500 million for its new fund. The firm now has $750 million worth of assets under management which is not quite 776 million, but close. General partner, founder, Alexis Ohanian, also the co-founder of Reddit, of course, joins me now to talk about that and much more. Alexis, you couldn't get that extra $26 million to make it a round number? Giving me a really hard time here, Emily. Look, I, <laughs> I, we are, we're not complacent. It's been, a, it's been a good first year. This gives us something to push for uh, here in year two. So what are the target areas? Where do you see the biggest opportunities to deploy all that cash? Well, look, early stage is still the bread and butter, um, but we're also seeing huge opportunities from companies right as they start breaking out in growth. Sector-wise, I've obviously been on the Web3 train for a little while now since seeding Coinbase all those years ago, but in the last two years, it has gone to another level. I, I've just seen too many really talented, really driven builders now moving into the space. And, and I think we're going to see some really interesting innovation to come from the next five years and uh, in particular uh, in this space. So we're not, not focused entirely on Web3, still love space tech, climate tech, food tech. Um, but uh, but the, the builders are certainly paving a way towards uh, all things crypto these days. And uh, that's going to keep us busy. And uh, you know, VCs are also pouring a lot of money into crypto. And I wonder, is all this money chasing the same startups? And could that lead to inflated valuations? I mean, FTX just raised at $32 billion, whether you consider that inflated mm. or not. It's certainly a big number. It is. And this is why I love being one of the first round investors. Uh, <laughs> but it's, 
Look, it's, it is also, I think it's true. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of dollars flowing in. Um, but like everything in, in this point in the hype cycle, it's still most important to, to focus on and double down on the clear winners. What, what's undeniable here is that this technology has proven a utility. We're only seeing the sort of earliest days of that utility, of the value of ownership. And, and for those of us, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of the generation of Web2 building a company like Reddit that, that proved and showed a model for the world of read and write. And, and now what we're seeing, this whole Web3 jargon is really just about a third component, which is the ownership part. And we're just starting to see that with whether it's with gaming or NFTs or, or this, this infrastructure that now exists to let you benefit from, from a sense of ownership that has, I think, some tremendous implications down the line. And, you know, we're just lucky to, to meet with great founders on day one and, and get to help them build that in. And uh, I think it's, <laughs> you talked about some social media companies previously. I think it's going to be interesting to watch this transition because I, I think there's never been a better time to be a David among Goliaths because the power of community and the organic sort of excitement that builds when you are part of something that feels much bigger than you, which is the nature of almost all of these Web3 projects, is hard to deny. So let's talk about this. Obviously, we're seeing massive after hours market moves here. Uh, well, Facebook today down, you know, times more than 25%. Snap mm. up after hours more than <clears throat> 60%. What's happening here? <laughs> well, I, I certainly think, you know, I don't spend time on the public markets really, but it seems like people have finally taken into account what we've been seeing for six, nine months now which is all of the savviest marketers in the 776 portfolio have been moving their dollars away from Facebook and diversifying to, to other ad products because the Facebook ad product, thanks to the Apple iOS changes, it just doesn't, it just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. It, it's, it is not executing and performing in a way that makes sense. So the smart marketers are moving lots of dollars away into other platforms. It does not surprise me that Snap is seeing some of the beneficiary or is a beneficiary of that. But I think it also calls into question a model that, you know, a revenue model like advertising that never really felt great to most of the actual users, of the people who are actually creating the content. And I think this intersection of community and, and capital that, that is really embodied in what Web3 unlocks is going to be a really fun one to explore because we're going to see new business models that are created where the actual creators of the content, whether it's someone taking a selfie or someone coming up with a clever post or what have you, have a stake in it. Have they, their, their attention is more properly valued. And I think that's going to be a very big story over these next years. And, and I think what we'll find is that we weren't properly valuing attention. We weren't properly valuing community because the only crude tool we had was advertising. And, and that really doesn't do it justice. Well, speaking of another community, Reddit's IPO is coming up, and I'm just curious what your reflections are on that uh, as we approach that, that big milestone and as you're seeing some of these big shifts. What's Reddit's role in that shift going to be? Well, <clears throat> look, I'm I obviously very, very publicly left the board last year. I you know, certainly wish the team there all the best. Um, my focus these days is on 776, and I, I do think you know, there is going to be no shortage of big headlines in business press over this next year and, and for a while to come. Um, 
we're seeing such a big shift in the role of the retail investor. And I know, you know, this is almost a one year anniversary from when I was on all these programs talking about Wall Street bets. I, I, I know there is still a lot of skepticism from folks out there. The reality is that the, there is a new generation. The digital native is thinking about their portfolio fundamentally differently than ever before. It's never the 60-40 stock bond split is gone, right? It's not just, hey, I want to be able to trade stocks while <laughs> you know uh, in the bathroom on my phone. It's also a diversification of alternative assets that ranges from everything from NFTs to trading cards. Uh, the, the, the dynamic here is so, so different now. And the retail investor, you saw a glimpse of the leverage they would have. I, I expect much more of it to come. And that means for CEOs, you know, you know, speaking broadly, um, there is a new responsibility now to not just think of yourself as a business leader, but also a, a community lead or almost a head of state. And, and it's something that I felt very unique explaining that to scenario to people 15 years ago when Reddit was just starting out. But I really believe it's the, the model for new companies getting started now today. You have to be especially if you know what you're managing has the kind of liquidity that say a token has, you have to be thinking consistently about your messaging, about what you're building. You have to be thinking about the community, the zeitgeist, just as much as you're thinking about the fundamentals of the business. And that's okay. a responsibility not a lot of CEOs are gonna be able to adapt to. Well, speaking of NFTs, you recently gifted your wife, Serena Williams, a bored ape. Why are you so mm -hmm. excited about NFTs and that in particular? <laughs> um, Look, I've I I <laughs> my 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 day job is is venture investing, but every now and then I'm a bit of an NFT B gen. Um, you know, I I got in a year and a half ago or so, uh, and I was excited by CryptoPunks simply because you know there there seemed like there was a historical precedent there, and I bought my wife the Serena Punk that's now sort of become a meme. Um, you know, I I think of these as 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 art in a way, and as a as a sort of membership into a broader community. And that's not to say it's the only gift I give my wife. I still do traditional things, but uh, <laughs> I really do believe in the long term value of community. And when I think about brand, right, and this is all on chain, right, this or this is all public. The secondary sales of something like Bored Apes is going to be in the tens of millions this year, right? So the money that they make just from you selling me an ape, the percentage, the royalty they make is meaningful, meaningful money. And when we start to think about the power of brand, no one bats an eye when someone looks at the market cap of Nike. I don't know what it is right now, but you know that they're still getting a really generous revenue multiple. Um, the business is in the business of, of brand, right? They sell atoms at the end of the day, but the value is the community and the culture. And, and you know, there's been a precedent of, of brands that have built over decades from the bottom up using you know, clothing or what have you. This is a new medium and it's the same nature of it, except it's so much more organic. It's so much more bottom up. Yes, it is weird, um, but that culture, internet culture is the dominant culture. Uh, going forward. And and that's why I'm so excited to be so deep in the space, because it feels in many ways like early days Reddit, except it's not a sort of niche fringe early internet culture of 2005. Interesting. It's it's mainstream and it's global. And it's it, it has, I think, very big implications. Alexis, I think you had a lot of folks out there listening, adding 
NFTs to their wish list just now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you, as uh, always, for joining us. 776 General Partner and Founder, uh, 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 Alexis Ohanian. Alexis, we'll have you back when you get that extra $26 million. Coming up, crypto regulation. When is it coming and how strict will it be? We'll hear directly from SEC Chair Gary Gensler about what's ahead for the market in 2022. That's next. This is Bloomberg. After several hearings and much talk about regulation from the SEC, crypto platforms and exchanges have been waiting for the government to make its moves and provide more clarity on the rules of engagement. My colleague David Weston spoke with SEC Chair Gary Gensler in an exclusive interview earlier. Take a listen. We do have a broad agenda, and crypto is part of that agenda, uh, but it's an agenda really to make the capital work. It's markets work better for the investing public and for the companies on the other side to drive more efficiency in these markets. As to your question about crypto, um, the agency is really just looking out for investors. And many of these tokens, I'm not trying to prejudge anyone, but many of these tokens have the attributes of securities. They're raising money from the public and the public is anticipating profits based upon the efforts of others. And so uh, we've brought a number of actions. We're trying to work with the various crypto platforms, the exchanges, the lending platforms to come in, get registered, find where we can uh, to adjust our rule set to get the investor protection for the public. As you say, you've encouraged the exchanges to come in and get registered. Uh, at the same time, a lot of them have not, as far as I can tell. Yeah, uh, what yep, point do you have to force that. it? <laughs> well, no, it's because, look, if you're, if you're a platform and you have 75 or 100 or sometimes 5,000 tokens on that platform, probabilities are that a number of them and maybe many of them are what's called a security. And, and it's Congress painted with a broad brush, and it comes down to this. Are you raising money from the public and the public's anticipating profits based on the efforts of others? Uh, and uh, my predecessor, Chair Clayton, uh, the agency that I'm honored to uh, chair at this point in time, uh, is going to try to pursue investor protection. And if that means bringing greater enforcement actions, we'll do that. But it would be better to have these platforms come in, work with us, and come under the securities laws. Do you think you've done everything you can under the statutes as they exist now? Do you need legislation in order to really go after and really get registration from those exchanges? I think that the, um, I think that the laws are pretty clear as laid out in the 1930s. Uh, and we have an ability to work with these exchanges using various authorities to, to uh, basically tailor some of these because these crypto exchanges and lending platforms uh, have operated differently than the traditional New York Stock Exchange. Um, but would it be helpful to work with Congress on some things? I've, I've said this in the past around some details around transfer agents and others. Yes. 
Uh, but it, it, unless uh, Congress says otherwise, we have to ensure there's investor protection in this space. And we're going to work with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, where there are some that are commodity tokens, because while many of these are securities, some um, may be under their remit, and we work together as two federal agencies. SEC Chair Gary Gensler there to digest it all. It is time for our cryptocurrency segment with Shanali Basik. Shanali, what do you make of Gensler's remarks? Yeah, there, there are two and the, the daunting task of figuring out how to regulate crypto. Well, that's exactly right, this daunting task here. On one hand, from a Wall Street perspective, you have existing financial firms very worried that the SEC is not going to be able to get a handle on the Wild West that's been created out of all of these crypto products. On the other hand, from the crypto perspective, you have them watching very closely looking at what the SEC is saying is an attribute. An attribute is the word he keeps using of an existing security so that they can use enforcement actions or uh, add-on rules to new products that look like older financial products, Emily. So how the chairman starts to mold those existing rules into this new industry will be of critical importance to how they start to enforce and create new laws. So I, I want to talk about, in other news, this $320 million that was stolen from the Wormhole crypto, crypto Project. It was restored, but in the absence of kind of formal regulation, how is the industry trying to self-correct these big issues? Yeah, this was so interesting because hacking is something we're not talking about when we talk about regulation necessarily in itself. So the Wormhole Project was so interesting because with to uh, 120,000 wrapped Ether being taken, we saw Jump Crypto really step in here and make customers whole once again. And you see them finally self-correcting something, and it might be expensive, but it is something that they're able to do themselves. All right, Shanali Basik, thank you for that update. Coming up, the pandemic changed how we view fitness and working out. My next guests have a few thoughts about the future of fitness. I'll be speaking with Rishi Mandel, co-founder of Future, and Kate Hudson, an investor in Future, about the fitness landscape. That is next. This is Bloomberg. Digital fitness company Future, which connects users with trainers to get a better workout, just raised an additional $75 million. Investors in Future include a number of big names. Joining me now, the co-founder of Future, Rishi Mandel, along with a familiar face, Kate Hudson, an investor in Future, and of course, the co-founder of Fabletics. Rishi, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Rishi, this is a lot of cash as the fitness industry is changing in a pandemic, coming out of a pandemic. How do you plan to plow this money into your vision for the future? Well, look, what we think is about to happen is we're going to see an explosion of one-to-one -one coaching of remote experts in people's lives around all sorts of topics in their health, whether that's fitness, that's what Future does, or mental health through text message therapy or uh, you know a whole variety of things, how we're eating and sleeping. Uh, and so what we've seen in the pandemic is an acceleration of technology adoption. There's been billions... Hey, uh, Kate, are you there? You are. It looks like we're having some we're having some problems with Rishi's shot. So you're an investor in Future. You yes, and your brother, I am. Oliver, and obviously you've spent many years building your own 
lifestyle and wellness brand, Fabletics. What attracted right. you to this opportunity? Well, it, it's funny. I actually, I met, I met Rishi and the team because my brother was working with them and I would see him doing all these Instagram posts going, what, what are you doing? And, uh, and then of course I got more and more interested, got to know these guys. And I, I just, I think they have something that's really powerful and that they have the right setup to, to really, really help people in, in, in this space. And, um, and you know, I'm 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 very I'm very focused on mission-driven companies, uh, especially and in, in mainly in 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 wellness and in health and wellness. And so they called and said, "Would you want to partner and do a podcast that really focuses on these things uh, as they come into this next big round and this next big uh, push?" And I was like, "I would I would love to. We're our our missions are aligned, and we can really focus in on talking about." things that we both really believe in that are really important, which is, you know, how we can support our wellness and how we support each other. And the thing uh, about future that I really love about what they've created is that it's a, it's a coaching platform. You actually have a real relationship with, um, you know, with, with a one-on-one -on -one coach and there's right. really no other uh, platform that allows you to do that. It's, it keeps you accountable. And I look forward to see what other areas they expand into because I think we need more of that uh, human connection through technology. Rishi, you're back with us. Look, we've seen Peloton stock heading downhill. We've seen people go back to the gym, get outside and exercise as the pandemic uh, waves have changed. What do you wh what makes you think that your vision for the future really is the future? We've got about a minute left. What's just so different about future is that we are agnostic to what you're doing for your fitness. You might on a sunny day be outside hiking and then on a different day want to hop on your Peloton. And then you might also want to do some strength work and your coach every single Sunday builds a new training plan for the week, understanding where you're going to be, what your travel plans are. And then we send you that Apple watch. So even if your coach is say a thousand miles away from you, they can see what you're doing, keep you accountable. And accountability is what's new here. You know, the history of fitness is people have content or equipment or places okay. to go, but nothing sticks. And with a real human, that's, that's what we're solving for here. All right, Rishi Mandel, Kate Hudson, I look forward to continuing this conversation, seeing where you take this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. Join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the payroll report. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle. guests this morning, the Athletics football correspondent David Ornstein and broadcaster and podcaster from Stoppage Time and versus Maya Quadri. Good morning to both of you. We're going to start with Manchester United and talk about Jesse Lingard. Yesterday in the news conference ahead of tonight's FA Cup fourth round tie against Middlesbrough, Ralph Rangnick spoke about Lingard's disappointment at not getting a move away from the club and went on to say, Jesse asked me in the club if we could give him a couple of days off 
just to clear his mind. But last night, Lingard responded with a tweet saying the club advised me to have some time off due to personal reasons, but my headspace is clear. I'll always be professional when called upon and give 100%. Right, David, are you surprised to see Lingard's response? So he did it so publicly. Morning, Tom. Morning, guys. Um, no, I'm not surprised to see him respond like that because the initial shot, if you want to call it that, was fired by Ralph Ranyuk publicly. So Jesse Lingard's perfectly entitled to stand up for himself. And if he feels the situation needs to be clarified, he's going to do so. What I do think is that this is an absolute mess. After the Anthony Martial public comments, we now have another senior Manchester United first team player and international um, seemingly at loggerheads with his club, um, in particular the manager. But I'm not sure the manager is sort of the key target here. I think it's those above him because really he's just delivering the message. He's the interim manager. He's going to be moving on from the role in the summer. And he was not the one who blocked Jesse Lingard's proposed loan move before the transfer deadline. That was the hierarchy at Old Trafford um, that decided for one reason or another that Jesse Lingard couldn't go. Lingard, of course, initially planned to stay in January, but then changed his mind and it seemed he was set for a move and certainly in his head. Um, we can argue about that all day long, but this very public um, disagreement is not healthy for anybody at United. It really should be sorted out behind the scenes. And if there is some issue about personal reasons or mental health, it, it should be going on in the background and being sorted out. Jesse Lingard will for all intents and purposes, now be leaving as a free agent in the summer. He wanted to go in January. It probably should have been sorted out then, and, and perhaps Manchester United are now seeing the repercussions, and it's pretty ugly. My well, this would have never happened in the old days, would it? Players would have never dared to speak out. It's a funny one because um, when you look at Lingard and what he represents, this is someone who's been at the club from a young age and he loves this football club. And another thing you can't write off about him is he's a model professional. We saw what happened when he went on his loan move to West Ham. He delivered. He was ready. He was fit. No one expected that. So to hear things about you not being ready and needing to take time off, it's probably, you know, rattled him a little bit and he knows his situation. He knows that he is prepared to do what he needs to do for this team. And he's shown it this season when he's been called upon. So I think the comments definitely did get underneath his skin, especially knowing the fact that he has kind of been held hostage in this situation. The club don't want to let him go at the same time. He, don't, he wants to play or move away to play. So I understand why he's come out and I think it's incredibly brave and good for him to speak his mind because ultimately if you're not happy with the situation you need to address it so you wouldn't have happened before but i, I respect it personally david uh, ragnick was asked in the press conference after he made those comments about lingard whether or not he might be a little bit disruptive and what and how he was going to manage him over the next few months um he didn't think there'd be a problem clearly there are a few, if, if, we've, if we've, sit, we've seen that tweet, haven't we? How do you think this is going to play out? 
Well, I don't hear anything at Manchester United about Jesse Lingard being a problematic figure. To the contrary, he seems a actually a pretty shy boy, very hardworking in training, and he tends to deliver in the matches when he plays. Um, not so uh, many opportunities for Manchester United this year, but certainly when he was at West Ham in the second half of last season, he was one of the most impressive attackers in the entire division. And if he gets the opportunity again, as he said in his tweet, I'm sure he'll give 100%. It's just whether he will get that opportunity. And with Donny van der Beek leaving on loan, Anthony Martial heading out as well, and the issues around Mason Greenwood, there's a very good chance that he will get game time. A lot of people who have criticised him off the back of Ralph Ranić's comments have said he should have been available. He would have got the chance tonight against Middlesbrough, but we don't know exactly what has gone on behind the scenes. Now, if he is indeed going to stay until the summer and they're not going to come to some sort of termination, then it would suit all parties to reintegrate him, build the bridges, um, repair some of the damage and get him back in because he would appear to me to be a really valuable asset to Manchester United. I feel he should have gone to the Euros with England last summer. He's got a unique skill set that I think Manchester United could do with. So I don't think this needs to be as acrimonious as it has been so far. And it's really up to Manchester United to step up to the plate, meet with Lingard and Lingard to discuss it with them and hopefully come to an amicable solution. Yeah, that brings on to Paul Pope, Ratsy Mayowa, because he's fit and he could play tonight in the FA Cup. We know the situation about his future and his contract, but he says he wants to go out and prove how good he is. How do you see this playing out? Very similar to what David said, I think in a situation where the, it's been said about what the player wants to do, but these guys just want to play football. Paul Pogba is an amazing footballer. And Manchester United lead that lift. We've seen what happens when Paul Pogba's on form for Manchester United. They tend to fly. So him coming back into the squad for you know, an important game will be a really big lift for them. And I think it's just a, a breath of fresh air as well. We know the team has been tired, but there's been a lot of changes. Having this sort of unique player come back and deliver could be so pivotal for them. And what they want to achieve for the rest of the season, top four is still a race. They can still do that and they can still achieve cup success. And with Paul Pogba on the side, all of that is definitely possible. Would you rather have wireless on the most reliable network nationwide or unlimited with 5G for $30 a month per line? You don't have to choose with Xfinity Mobile. Wireless so good it keeps one-upping itself. Most reliable based on Root's metric US report. Results vary, not an endorsement. $30 per month per line when you get four lines. His make-believe avatar had been burned alive, choked to death, and post-mortem prone boned in a matter of 20 minutes. He's <laughs> not having a good day. <laughs> not at all. Hello friends and welcome back to Red X, your source for the freshest daily cringe content anywhere on the internet. Promise, swearsies, it's just a fact and it's totally science, yar. <laughs> Go ahead and look it up. Today we're jumping back into our slash, hey, it's neckbeard stories. It wasn't posted in my personal subreddit, r slash redx reads. It is, in fact, from neckbeard stories and uh, you love to see it because 
uh, good old Ramtide always gives me a plug right at the beginning of the videos. <laughs> and of course, I did the, the pirate voice for a little bit because it's a pirate-themed tabletop that he's working on. And supposedly is almost finished with just putting some polish, some, some finishing touches, you know, scrubbing up the dirtier bits. And if all goes according to plan, then we will have a nice, brand new, free tabletop game. It is 100% donation wear from our good friend Ramtide. I hope that you play the game. I hope that you spread the game around. You know, maybe support him over on that Patreon. Hey, that's a pretty cool idea, too. Of course, it doesn't really matter if you're playing pirates or if you're playing fantasy warlords. <laughs> It, there is bound to be some cringe. I 100% guarantee that much. So let's see what kind of cringe we've got today. We'll go ahead and get some plugs and disclaimers out of the way. And then we will dive right into some of this Neckbeard Stories cringe. Nasty Nate's National Neckbeard Safari, Part 2. Las Vegas, continued. Well, that's not the most, uh, fascinating title ever, but it does convey some things, so thank you. Subscribe to Red X! Hey, again, thank you. <laughs> I think most people here are already subscribed, but if you ain't, hey, here's your reminder. Uh, <laughs> Ram Tidings, dear friends. Hi, Ram Tide, welcome back. It is I, your dutiful lord and master, the Eternal GM. I apologize for the delay in getting this to you, and I apologize for any errors in this installment, because as of this moment, I am writing with a crippled hand. <laughs> this is true. All of it is factual. It's a long story, and probably not the story you expected. Should I spoil what the story is? I think I'm gonna spoil what the story is. Ramtide was hanging out with a hobo. The hobo had a dog. Ramtide's dog and the hobo's dog fight. Ramtide tried to separate said dogs with, uh... Without any tools, <laughs> usually I use a blanket when dogs are fighting. You throw the blanket over, you pull the dogs apart. But uh, Ramtai just reached in there and grabbed him, and yeah, he got bit just a little bit. I don't know which dog did it, but I do know from following him on Twitter that he was quite looking forward to the hand getting infected and flamed, cut off. And then he could have a hook hand, which would be super cool. Super legit for the, the piratical theming. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but yeah, always use a tool when, when you're pulling two dogs that are fighting apart. They don't know what's going on. They'll chomp down on whatever gets in their way. Be careful, my friend. Anyways, back in the saddle where last we left off, I was waylaid over in Las Vegas after getting bald or neutered, and I decided that I would try to find a local game shop to satiate my thirst for some IRL tabletop. It's like water for Ramtide. If he goes too long without tabletop, he shrivels up and dies. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I assembled my party. Umbugu and his son, Triple H. Anonymous Incarnate, Long Dong Silver. And Peculiar Not Canine by the name of Celeste. Celeste almost lost their place at my table after agitating the convalescent dog that I had in tow. But after laying down the rules of the pack... Celeste agreed to behave themselves. Tentatively, I permitted them to remain. Honestly, that was probably a mistake. <laughs> you should have just said, get out. But then we probably wouldn't have a story, so I appreciate you uh, taking the bullet, I suppose. The day wrapped up with characters being created and the actual game set to run the following day. 
I returned to my truck to enjoy some much-needed R&R before just passing out. Game day is set. Can Celeste behave? Can I run an actual game without any complications? <laughs> or do things explode spectacularly as they are wont to do? Let us find out as we continue Nasty Nate's National Neckbeard Safari and this tale from the tabletop. You can also find the previous events at the following link, which is in the description or the comments or uh, somewhere down there. <laughs> and as I always say, I do expect some fireworks. Ramtide wouldn't bring me a story unless there were fireworks. <laughs> Like, yeah, we ran a game and it started off rocky, but it was okay in the end. No, 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 no. <laughs> let it burn and let me watch. <laughs> Should I say it? Uh, I'm just gonna say it. Oh, God, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Neckbeards are gross. You can bet dollars to donuts, mostly donuts. You should hold off on eating because uh, uncomfortable topics or descriptions are going to arise. You have been warned. Twice now. Definitely arose in the last installment. Ugh. <laughs> God. Is this one any better? I guess there's only one way to find out. So I awoke that morning to 70 pounds of dog on my chest. <laughs> Good morning, dog. Pulling my blankets away from my face, whimpering and whining at me in hopes that I would get up. I greeted him with a customary... Good morning, and scratched his ears as his tail excitedly beat against the upholstery of the bench seat. Then I asked him the magic words. Do you want to go outside? <laughs> Always works. He got off my chest and I could move again. I sat up, leashed him, and I took him out for a poop. <laughs> the day had officially begun. Yeah, it must be nice to be a dog. They don't even need a cigarette or a coffee to help him poop. <laughs> They just wake up, and they're ready to do it, like uh, like how it was meant to be, I suppose. I had several hours to kill before I had to arrive at the shop, so I spent them running the day's routine. Food and water for the dog and I, a nice long walk to keep us both from getting fat, and then some writing, because, you know, things don't write themselves. Unless you got like a haunted typewriter or something, but I don't have a haunted typewriter or something. <laughs> When I finally glanced back at the clock again, it was time to stop people watching the crack whores and get back to the local game shop. I punched the truck into gear and arrived, as per usual, uh, painfully early to the game. I had an hour to kill and I spent it in my normal fashion, just working on my notes. One by one, the nerds filed in. First our gruesome twosome, Umbugu and Triple H, they were the first to arrive that day and they sidled in, greeting me cordially. They had brought with them a box of donuts for the party. Oh, was that foreshadowing that dollars to donuts bit? <laughs> Here we go. We helped ourselves to a couple delicious treats as we waited for the arrival of the other two. And yeah, those other two are exceedingly suspicious, are they not? Keep your eye on them. <laughs> the next to arrive was Celeste with his metaphorical tail tucked between his legs. For a second, he paused at the edge of his seat as Balder poked his head up from his doggy bed, hackles beginning to lift. Then, without a word, he took his seat and, too, enjoyed the delicious donut. Finally, ten minutes late, Long Dong materialized from the ether. With the table set and our party now finally assembled, the adventure was ready to begin. 
I laid out my maps and dice upon the table, opened the notes and rules on my computer, and struck up with my best narrative voice. Oh, it's been so long since we had, like, some legitimate tabletop with our cringe, hasn't it? I veered off, I did some RPG horror stories, but there was no, like, guaranteed neckbeard outside of the game. You got nerd cringe in my tabletop! You got tabletop in my nerd cringe! <laughs> Two delicious flavors at once. Here we go. Ramtide. Tucked along the rocky cliffs of the northwestern coasts lies a place that many refer to as Blackout Cove. Mariners make their way along a winding road through the rocks by the way of Kingsport to this place to enjoy the pleasantries of a famous seaside inn known as the Braying Mule. After a long haul at sea, your small band of cutthroats has arrived by way of the King's Road to this small inn to squander your tiny fortunes on its legendary libation. Upon your arrival, and much to your surprise, you find that this famous inn is devoid of any sign of occupancy, save for its proprietor, whom you find glumly sitting outside on the porch. At the approach of prospective customers, he visibly perks up and cordially greets you. Welcome to the Brain Mule, he says, <laughs> perhaps a bit too animated at the sight of potential customers, and he holds the door open for you as you all file inside. The place is indeed deserted, the tables empty, and the corners are covered in dust. For as highly spoken of as this place was, it had in fact seen much better days. He leads you to a table, wipes away the dust, and pulls out the chairs, before asking you, What do you have? <laughs> yes, indeed, barkeep. We are some thirsty scallywags. <laughs> Umbugu starts and says, The round of shots for the crew on me. <laughs> Ramtide. He returns with the drinks and informs you of the price. Roll an observation check. And you can tell that you are being vastly overcharged for these beverages even for something of such legendary quality as what it is that this inn serves. Umbugu, why is it so expensive? Welcome back, Bayside! They're taking school spirit... The bunch is getting started! ...to the max. This is gonna be awesome! Saved by the Bell, new season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Ramtide, the proprietor looks as if he doesn't want to answer your question, but eventually decides better of it, and speaks plainly. The mule used to be the jewel of this here cove. Seafaring men from Kingsport would come up here every shore leave to drink and lodge till they received their orders to sail again. Times were good. Now seldom a soul graces her door. You're the first people I've seen in almost two weeks. Hard times have fallen upon her, Triple H. Where did they all go? Ramtide, they've not forgotten about her, that much I know. Nothing has happened to sully her reputation. <laughs> that is very encouraging, is it not? <laughs> he felt that he should mention that specifically. Alright, I'm gonna take a note of that. <laughs> now, however, there's competition and something not quite right about it. The last few men I've heard come through mention to me that they were to head up further down the road to a new inn that's been built up the road. Now, 
This is not what's strange. Oh, no. What's strange is that on my morning walks, I'll walk past the location where this new inn is. Nobody owns that land. No men have come or gone to build it. Yet, somehow, a timber shack was erected, and now a blackened hand shines on its plate, as if it just materialized from the ground up. I see my customers as they pass me by on the way to this new place, and spoken to some. They speak of its strange proprietor, a man who says that they dabble in fortune-telling, who, for some coin, will serve you a drink and tell you your fate. And for better or for worse, that it's true. Now, I don't rightly care what's going on up there, and I don't have any time to go up there myself and get to the bottom of it, but perhaps we might be able to reach some sort of accord. Go and investigate the Black Hand Inn, find out who owns it, and what's going on up there, and if you can, bring my customers back, and I promise you, you will be well rewarded. Ah, a quest right out of the gate. Beautiful so it is. Let us get some uh, Molotov cocktails, <laughs> torches, and pitchforks. We'll go take care of this right now. <laughs> With the pieces set and the hook baited, all that was left then was for the party to act. Mbugu paid the good man and unassumingly assumed the role of party leader. Gathered the party so that they could venture forth. You do gather your party before you venture forth, right, adventurers? Yeah, well, they, they definitely did. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad that Umbugu's leading the charge here. I was super worried that one of the uh, weirder neckbeards would be the one to step up. Neckbeards do always seem to tussle for control of the group, but they seem to realize that since Umbugu is older, yeah, by default, he gets to lead. That's fine. He also paid for the drinks, so <laughs> there's one point in his book for sure. Well, they made their way down the winding King's Road for several uneventful miles, until in the distance, they could make out a log cabin, sitting squat on the edge of the overlook. A metal sign depicting one charred black hand swung on some chains anchored to a post in the gusting wind. The party drew near, and proceeded inside. It was dark, illuminated only by a crackling fire in the hearth and filled with the stench of cloying liquor and tobacco smoke. Laughing and jeering and chaos could be heard from the back of the den, but up there in the front room sat a single table ringed with chairs. A single man, a scarred and rakish sea dog, with a single hand that seemed to have been burned to a crisp, sat alone in front of a ball fashioned from crystal, staring at the door expectantly. As the players enter, he spoke. I've been expecting you. Come and sit. The party did as they were told, and I rolled a die. Well, this is not good already. <laughs> you getting some creep vibes yet? Don't trust the magic man. Pirates is a, a superstitious lot, aren't they? <laughs> I gotta sit at the chair. I'll stand, thank you, in case I need to make a quick escape. Ramtide, he sits there quietly for a moment regarding you each one by one, before finally locking his gaze upon you, Celeste. He nods knowingly before returning his stare to the crystal before him. You look at it intently, trying to discern what it is he's looking at with such intensity. As you look, the reflections of the firelight in the crystal seem to swirl and take on their own shape, twisting themselves into ominous portents of your own demise. You see yourself, 
Trapped inside a room while smoke and flame creep closer. It begins to lick at your clothes. Your flesh starts to bubble and blister as the skin curls back like a blackened parchment. The fat drips away from your bones and... Uh, what the fuck is that supposed to be? <laughs> I stumbled because my gaming juju had been rudely interrupted. Celeste stood up and roundhouse slammed a piece of paper into the middle of the table in some weirdly self-assured, triumphant gesture. It was an index card, upon which he had drawn a big X with a Sharpie marker. No, but seriously, what is this supposed to be? <laughs> Celeste, it's an X card. Ramtide, that doesn't answer my question. What the hell is that? Celeste, oh, uh... It's a safety tool. It means you have to stop. Congratulations, you've just broken the immersion for everybody at the table. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable with the scene laid out before you? Maybe roleplay it out, okay? Cover your ears or something. Yell at the magic man. Tell him, I've seen enough. Show me no more. You can't just plop a card in the middle of the table and everything stops. I'm all for consent. I'm all for maintaining control of your character, but this is not the way to do it. This is just breaking immersion for everybody. And I wanted to see what the vision was about too, so you ruined it for the narrator even. <laughs> Ramtide says, bro, this is all make-believe, okay? Nobody here is unsafe in any sense of the word. Like, we're all gonna be okay. Nobody is actually gonna get lit on fire. Promise. Swearsies. <laughs> it's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Celeste? Yeah, well, maybe I don't want to see myself burned to death. You gotta, like, fade to black or, or take it off screen or something. Oh, it's the death part that makes him uncomfortable? You realize this is a game about <laughs> dirty seafaring pirates who stab each other to death all the time, right? Maybe this just isn't the game for you. Maybe you need to step aside. Instead, Ramtide says... We're getting into some of the core of the plot of this adventure. This vision has important stuff that we're going to get to in it. If you just let me finish and it'll probably ultimately help you complete the adventure without dying. But you're over here, a grown ass adult telling me to fade to black because of a make-believe fire in a make-believe room. Do you have any fortitude whatsoever? <laughs> Like we all know the answer to that. Maybe his imagination is just too good, you see? Maybe he's scared that he's gonna, like, uh, manifest this fire into reality if he thinks about it too much. Maybe that X card is for everybody's safety at the table, so the table doesn't just burst into flames. <laughs> I don't know, it could happen. While we're playing make-believe, sure. Celeste. Oh my god, this is just the kind of bullcrap I'd expect to hear from a guy with a Nazi dog. <laughs> uh, dogs don't have political ideologies, okay? I knew gaming with you was going to be a problem when I didn't even see a consent form provided in the rulebook. Uh, just another predatorial GM. What is happening? <laughs> what are you talking about? Consent form? 
I'm all for drawing lines in the sand and whatnot, but this all needs to be discussed like grown-up human beings during session zero. It's not some sort of bureaucracy where you're like, mm, I don't approve of child murders. And then you hand it into the game master like they're your teacher and they have to cross comparison and create a story that's uh, suitable to everybody's needs. And I use child murder as an example because that's one of the things in games that I would be <laughs> exceedingly uncomfortable with. But really, at the end of the day, it's a make-believe kid in a make-believe world. And as long as it serves the plot and isn't just gratuitous, I can sort of bear down and just roll through that part. But an imaginary crystal ball fire in an imaginary room? <laughs> Bro, I don't understand. You know if this guy dies, he's going to throw down the X card and be like, No, you can't make me die. <laughs> We talked about this, Ramtide. You're just predatorial. <laughs> what? You decided to play this game. It's time to get up. It's time for you to walk away. You gotta leave. Ramtide defends himself by saying, Sitting at the table is the consent, okay? <sighs> Whatever. You see the visions in the crystal of yourself in a room as flames begin to consume your Celeste. Dude! X card! You're really not going to let me get through this, are you? <laughs> I reached out across the table, picked up the index card, and ripped it in half. I threw the pieces back at Celeste and continued my narration as he sat there prickling like a cactus. Umbugu and Triple H were also visibly confused by this entire exchange, while Long Dong found it hilarious and snickered with every word that was said. Celeste... I can't believe you, Ramtide. You can't just ignore an X card, dude. Is this a new thing in tabletop? Is this what people is doing now? <laughs> I don't understand. This is way outside my frame of reference, dude. You have two options here as far as I see it. You either leave the game completely or you role play it out. Like I said, yell at the magic man. Tell me no more of these visions. I've heard enough of the ramblings of an old man. You know what I'm saying? And then perhaps Ramtide responds in kind, but throwing down a card on the table and being like, everything has to stop now. It is so not fun to play. <laughs> what are you doing? You're ruining everybody's experience here. But let's see what Ramtide has to say about it. I can ignore NX card, dude, and I will. I can understand that there are certain topics that people don't want to deal with in their tabletop games. Everyone has their limits, and those limits can be respected. Don't want to talk about dead children or just how half-orcs are made? Fine, we don't have to go that far down the extreme end of the rabbit hole. But, on the flip side of the coin, everything with any wargaming connection to it, tabletop RPGs included, is going to involve fantasy violence. Conflict is basically the fucking cornerstone. <laughs> and it is inflicted on everyone. Players, game master, non-playable characters. No conflict equals no story, which equals no adventures and no heroes. So everybody just pack up and go home. <laughs> what also strikes me as profound is that in games that often center around heroism... The very nature of being heroic requires experiencing and overcoming adversity. Heroes slay dragons. 
heroes don't put down X cards when the dragon tries to burn their village and derail the entire campaign by telling the dragon that it's problematic. <laughs> I could go on. I could write an essay about how much I hate this X card phenomena after I read about it in my convalescing days between the events of this story and its telling, but I digress. Because at that point, I was set either way to make sure that my game wasn't about to be derailed by something so asinine. So is the X card okay then, Ramtide, for uh, dead kids or how half-orcs are made? If the card was thrown down in that situation, would you have accepted it and been like, okay, let's fade the black? Or would you have said, uh, cover up your ears? <laughs> Go take a fiver outside. This is something I want to talk about. Because all that, yeah, relatively fine line. The violence bit? Bro, <laughs> we are adventurers. We stab, we get stabbed. That's how this works. Adventure awaits! You think you're going to pick flowers all the way to max level? <laughs> That's not how this works. I doggedly continued my description, despite Celeste's shrill and inane bitching, when Longdong interrupted me. Longdong, uh, I attack the cabin boy. <laughs> God, things just went off the rails anyways. Uh, I sighed. I had provision for player versus player combat, should it arise for whatever reasons. I mean, let's be real. The premise of this whole thing is that you're a member in a crew of bloodthirsty pirates. You don't always have to get along. So I was open to the idea that, yes, players would fight each other. I just, uh, didn't expect it to happen so soon. Well, like I said, dude is over there throwing down X cards, ruining the immersion of the entire table. You want him to shut up? Okay, make him shut up. <laughs> now your character's dead. The game is over for you. Please walk away. Not the most cordial solution, but I guarantee you it's going to be effective. <laughs> Celeste's eyes went wide as Long Dong declared that they were going to grapple the cabin boy in a restraint and try and choke him out into unconsciousness with a headlock. <laughs> Celeste fumbled with his sharpie and another index card. <laughs> as I let Long Dong roll his dice. <laughs> Uh, you can just get up and walk away. At this point, the game is over for Celeste. Nobody wants to play with him anyways. The dice clattered down to the table, proving Long Dong successful in his efforts to begin choking the boy out of Celeste. <laughs> I turned to Celeste and asked him how he would like to handle the situation, wherein he feebly offered up a second index card. I told him, no, I would not honor it, and that he would have to figure out the situation in some other way. Like I said, roleplay it out or walk away. I wonder how these index cards would work in real life. <laughs> I should try it out. Just make a bunch of index cards, walk down to the corner shop, be like, oh, I want all these things. And when they ask me to pay, you put an index card on the counter and you're like, look... <laughs> I don't actually have that much money, so you asking me to pay, it's just, I'm going to need to call it out. It's very problematic. <laughs> have we not gone over the deep end? I am more than happy to oblige people, but 
you sat down for a violent tabletop RPG, and then you're like, hey guys, no violence for anybody here. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? What did you expect was going to happen? And I'll admit, Ramtide's being a little bit of a dick as well, you know, not just telling him, roleplay it out or leave. <laughs> He's ripping up his index cards and stuff. I think I would have a nice conversation and be like, look, it seems like it isn't working out. We're both looking for different things, and that's okay. But this doesn't seem like it's the game for you, so I'm going to ask you to step away. But as I've mentioned before, Ramtide doesn't uh, quite have those social graces. <laughs> it's just like, rip up the card, stop putting this in my face. And from then on, it's your move. And <laughs> instead of Ramtide making a move, Long Dog decided to choke Celeste out. And yeah, an index card is not going to save him. <laughs> <laughs> so Celeste tried to struggle against the man who now held him to break free or maybe put him in an arm bar or throw him with a suplex, but to no avail, because the cabin boy was simply too weak to put any moves on his attackers. The turn cycled back to Long Dong, who continued to squeeze the life out of Celeste until, in a matter of short and brutal turns, his HP was reduced to zero. Now clinically dead... I paused and asked Umbugu or maybe Triple H if maybe, just maybe, they would like to intervene on behalf of the dying. <laughs> I mean, you pissed everybody off within five minutes of sitting down. I don't think they're going to do it. Both of them just shrugged. <laughs> I asked Long Dong if perhaps he wanted to stabilize the clinically dead cabin boy before death proper occurred. Long Dong threw me for a loop when he told me that instead he wanted to unbuckle both of their pants. Ugh, god damn it. <laughs> and plunder the cabin boy's booty for good measure. Alright, we're playing Fatal now. And at about that point, I was almost ready to reconsider my position regarding the X card. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. This has gone out of control faster than anybody could have predicted. Celeste was in a visible huff. His make-believe avatar had been burned alive, choked to death, and post-mortem prone boned in a matter of 20 minutes. <laughs> He's not having a good day. <laughs> not at all. Red in the face and sputtering curses, he stood up from his seat, shoving all his belongings into his backpack and ran off in a huff. An awkward silence hung over the table for a moment before I let out a sigh and a chuckle, <laughs> shook my head and recentered myself. <laughs> like I said, leave or roleplay it out. There came a certain point when you couldn't roleplay it out anymore because your character was unconscious, so yeah, I guess you gotta leave. Sometimes PvP hurts, and it happens. It wouldn't have happened, probably, if you hadn't made a, a spectacle of yourself, but you had to expect some violence sitting down at a tabletop RPG about pirates, didn't ya? <sighs> so, I asked everyone if they actually wanted to run this adventure now, or should we just call it there? <laughs> Short and sweet. Umbugu and Triple H, slightly weirded out as they were, took it in stride and found it somewhat amusing even, and remarked that he simply wasn't a good fit for the table. 
and he could go find a game somewhere else that would cater to his, uh, sensibilities. Makes perfectly good sense to me, and that's still how I feel about it. If you're at a table and you don't like the game that they run, guys, don't try to force them to play how you want. Go somewhere else. Start your own table with like-minded people. The fun of an individual never supersedes the fun of the group. I then turned to Long Dong, who was quite ready to resume the game, wherein it had been derailed. Yeah, he's trying to get that booty. <laughs> but Ramtide makes a good point. It's been my point since the beginning. Obviously, you're not a good fit here. It's nothing against you as a human being, despite trying to lick that dog's dick in episode one. <laughs> it's just, there's violence. It's going to happen. I'm sure there is a group out there that wants their pirate game to be nothing but pet the whale, but <laughs> that is not this one. So yeah, you gotta go. I'm sorry. It just didn't work out. Better luck next time. And everybody should be an adult about it and be like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'm not trying to move in and tell you how your house should be run. Except that is exactly what Celeste was doing and uh, that's not okay. It's never okay. So yes, after this uh, speed bump, <laughs> the adventure ran smoothly to its conclusion, and I shall offer a brief summary of the events that followed because, well, it really was a good time after we outed Celeste. I began again at the Vision, telling it to Umbugu in all its details. He was trapped in the room, being consumed by fire. Within the cellar, the bones of a dead man lay in the corner, its empty sockets staring back at him, one mysterious burnt hand attached to the carrion. When the vision ended, the players sat alone at the table by the hearth and began to search the Black Hand in for clues, discovering that the proprietor bared the likeness of an old sea dog who used to practice heathen and forbidden magics before being burned at the stakes by priests. Some say he had come back from the grave to exact revenge on those who had wronged him. That night, a fire broke out at the Black Hand Inn, Oh wow, hey, we didn't even have to do nothing. We completed the quest. High five. <laughs> and the remaining players had to defeat the sea dog in order to escape that burning death trap. They buried his corpse and left the burning tavern behind as it was reduced to ash. In the epilogue, they retired to the braying mule for a week of mirth, merriment, and libations. When one day, a sailor came down by the way of King's Road to remark that somebody was building a mysterious shack several miles to the north. Ah, oh, loop-de-loop, round-de-round we go! <laughs> you should ask the innkeeper if he wants to pay you to go burn down the other one. I mean, not burn it down, because we totally didn't do that. Not our fault, we just showed up and it, it's, it lit on fire. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and let this be yet another lesson to you nerds about the joys of gaming with random people. You never know what you're gonna get, <laughs> and not everyone is gonna mesh. If you're trying to run a game without upset, it is often much better to simply stick with people whom you know and know well. However, if one, like me, has the inclination to revel in a little chaos, brave the unknown, and delve once more into the breach to find unsavory people for the sole purpose of amusing yourself, then perhaps... Just maybe, gaming with strangers is the way to go, in that one very specific case. It's not something that I will ever do personally, though. <laughs> I game with friends, that is it. 
Although the whole reveling in chaos does sound kind of fun, maybe I should try it out just once or twice just to, to see the dumpster fire. <laughs> this concludes my last installment of Field Notes from Las Vegas. I apologize for the delay. I've been convalescing from getting some stitches in my hands. No, I didn't punch Celeste. Yeah, I already spoiled that one <laughs> right at the beginning. I'm like, I know something you don't know. Let me share. I can't keep a secret. <laughs> and I've been unable to type for about the last week. But as you can see, I am now feeling much better. And now that I'm finally back on top of my game, I shall probably delve into the appropriate depths somewhere else in quest of more fascinating specimens. But we shall see. As I have not moved on from this sordid town just yet, I'll be back when another fascinating critter crosses my path in Nasty Nate's National Neckbeard Safari. Until next time, friends. Endless love, of course, goes out to Redix, hey, and the greater Redix community, who have been there for me as I make my way through this curious adventure that we call life. Most notably, I'd like to thank my wonderful patrons for supporting the development of Blood and Thunder, a dedicated system and setting for maritime piracy. Without further ado, special thanks goes to Broken Logic, Stephanie Goodner, Horror Smith, Garrett Benicky, Ninja Miner 2017, Alunia Demonista, Not Invisible Angel, Blade the Hero, Hydra Jerry, Robert Allen Waits, Bitch Gremlin, Dayton Does, Hey That's Me, <laughs> Fire Drake, and Jerismus Barbatus Cervicus, also known as Tato Ferret. <laughs> We're getting close to a viable beta for Blood and Thunder, and testing has been pushing ahead at full speed. Infantry rules are done. Ship rules are being worked out. If you'd like to support me as I work to see this endeavor through, or as I write these tales from the tabletop, you can find me on patreon.com slash blackflagprintingpress, or make a one-time donation through paypal.me slash ramtide. Welcome back, Bayside! They're taking school spirit... The fun's just getting started! ...to the max. This is gonna be awesome! Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Now, the more overall governing theme of this particular tale from the tabletop was consent, was it not? What is okay within the confines of your game? And I do think that that's something that needs to be discussed 100% up front. We don't need consent forms or anything like that. We just need to be a group of people that are capable of talking like normal people. Hey, I have this planned for the campaign. Do you guys think that this is too far? Is it okay to, to have dead kids slaughtered or something? And you're like, well, actually, I, I would rather if they were adults, you know? Okay, that's an easy change. Do-do, fix that. Are you guys okay with PvP? Because that is something that might happen, and maybe somebody's not. Especially if you get your, your booty hole plundered at the end of it. <laughs> I thought Long Dong was going to be like a total neckbeard. I mean, he was sort of a creep, but I don't know, man. Celeste, out of left field, just uh, completely upset this entire game. And yeah, once they got rid of the one person that was making it difficult, the game ran smoothly. Huh? Consider that. <laughs> Isn't that a mystery? So yeah, part of being the GM is making the hard calls, and if you see somebody who doesn't quite fit at the table, just invite them to leave. You know, I don't think that this is the game for you, you aren't quite meshing with the other players. I'm not trying to cause any offense or anything, but I think it would be better for everybody if you found another game to play. And naturally, some people will be slightly offended, but hopefully they're adult enough to see why it is that you're asking them to leave. 
whatever the case, don't break immersion by by throwing down index cards on the table like it's supposed to stop everything in its tracks. Because that's simply not the case. You want to stop everything in its tracks? You're more than capable. Or rather, your character is more than capable. Speak up. Have your character say something. You don't have to sit there and listen to it. But you also don't have to put the brakes on the fun train for everybody else. It's a simple balance to strike, but I believe in the capability of everybody out there to do so. Whew, that was a good episode. <laughs> I always miss the tales from the tabletop. I hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. If you did, I hope that you like, comment, and or subscribe. Maybe share the video around. I definitely would appreciate that. We got all kinds of links in the description. Yes, feast on those at your leisure. We got podcasts. Hey, I'm everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want. <laughs> we got plugs. Uh, my Amazon affiliate link, yeah, it's down there. It goes to my microphone. If you buy something, I can kick back a, a percentage of your purchase from Amazon, which is nice. Teespring, if you're trying to rock the merch. Mine and my wife's channel, Mr. and Mrs. Red X. Oh, hooray! We've also got all kinds of playlists if you're looking for, like, just a little bit of a different flavor from the channel. Maybe you want specifically RPG horror stories. We got some of those. And, of course, a lot of neck and leg beard stuff, too. <laughs> We've also got my social medias, Twitter, Discord, Facebook. Oh, hooray! Come on through. Say hello to me. I would appreciate that. We've also got my Patreon and my gorgeous, wonderful, beautiful, generous patrons. Oh, the new month is here. I will send out uh, reward emails quite shortly. Thank you guys for your patience. And I would like to thank all of my patrons, Jerry, Jerry much, but specifically Robert Waits, Camille Sarah, Logan Wolf, arr, arr, Conrad Inge, Captain Clown Jerry, Hong Kong, <laughs> Aaron W, Twisted Child, Sarah Juana Wash, Cinema Susie, For All Blank Sign, Fire Drake, Ayurari, wants to change her name, but is too proud of the Jerry spelling. Go ahead, mix it up. That's all right. Jari the Pirate. How topical. <laughs> Silent Revolver. The OG Jerry. Jerry. Jerish Kitsune. Satori. 211 Jerry. The Return of Jerry. A Jerry. A Jubbly Jubbly Juggly Jerry's. Fuck. <laughs> Justine Jargonia Jerry. Alunia Demonista. Althea Blue. Anunnaki. Assassin Pug Jerry. Bang Bang. Atheist Jerry. He's so euphoric. Aurora Wildheart. Bailey Joy. Bearded Jerry. Watch out for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch and Gremlin, Blade the Hero, Blip Bloop Jerry, Blue Dubs, Commander J Tank, Confederate Jew. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh no. Dayton won't. Bruh, I did already. Look at the name. <laughs> Represent. Dennis Dayton, Dinosaur Nightlight, Disposable Waifu, Dr. Larks, Emergent Jewel, Aaron Lennox, fell down this pipe, running from a walking mushroom thing with eyes, and I ended up in the agate, smell like ball here, it's Mr. J. <laughs> okay, Mr. J, we'll send somebody. Uh, Frozen Over Studios, Gypsy, Adrian BR. I can't help falling in love with Jerry. <laughs> I'm Slim Jerry, yes, I'm the real Jerry. Oh, you want the Slim Jerry's is just imitating Irish pirates again. Top of the morning to ya. <laughs> Itchy nuts, you just scratch it, bro. A pimp named Jay Crisp, yes, you have to say the whole thing. J.M. Coon, Jennifer Schaefer, Jerry Smith's Barber to Cervacus. Uh, that sounds pretty piratical, too. <laughs> Jerry Blacktail, Jerry Nice, Jerry Evil, Jerry the Outlaw Mother Trucker, Honk Honk. Jerry was a race car driver, but my super's in the shop, so he stands undefeated. Only for a time. <laughs> John Hero. John Jerry Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh my god, that's that's my name too, bro. 
<laughs> boof it because if you boof it, it's free. Judge Jerry, I am the beard. H-A-W. <laughs> oh, Crewy, Miss Monday, Lord Jerry O, Blady Dicks. Still a Jerry, just uh, a boring one. <laughs> that's okay. Marble Cake Jerry, that's like a Jerry Fusion. Melgar the Destroyer, Metal Rector. Definitely not Ar Arthur Henry because I, I never heard of that guy. <laughs> Mr. Carrot 797, Mikola Demikiev, Natari, Nightmare Jerry, Orgame Jerry, Steve, Patron Saint of Chicken Nuggies, Saint Jerry, Rahman, Phantom of the Pines, Jerrykins and Jerry Beth, Rose Jerry Miller, TSM Kirby, Sarita the Lolita, Saucy Octopus, ah. <laughs> Silo Imp, slipped out of marble and entered the neckbeard world. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Stables, aka Jerry Yeet, Stephanie Goodner, Synaptic Boomstick, Tamago, Teddy the Police, Tenton Monster, The One True Fusky, Tom, oh, but it's the Jerry on the inside that counts, Church, Church, <laughs> Viking Jerry, Will Mags, Comrade Mooney, Kira, You're a Wizard Jerry, Redwind, Nog Viper, Cy Jerry the Cyborg, Saint's Blessing, A Normal Jerry, Totally Normal, Come to think of it, what would be the criteria for a Jerry Berry? Taste? Texture? Can you make it into a yam or a pie? <laughs> a yam? <laughs> Jam? Yes. Yam? No. <laughs> Hunter of Jerry's the power of all things tasty. It's Tom! Hey! Admiral T. Tank. Amara Alder. Uh, an unfortunate survivor. Atomic Jerryzilla. Breaker of the Tom Army. AZ. Babsy Goon. Barbushka's Irradiated Jam. Bartender Kirlia. Broken Spine Horseradish, the original different Jerry, that's Cake Jerry! <laughs> California Jerry Girl, uh, Chevron 7 Locked, Corporal Admiral Lieutenant Private General Trigger Princess Furry Wormwood Jerry. Yeah, kinda got it. <laughs> Crip Titties, Devon Jerry, Dopamine Dangerous. We got OD. <laughs> Electrical Fennec, gave her both inches. And then she asked if I had any single friends. Oh snap! You better not give her my number though, my wife is gonna kill her. <laughs> Ghost of Alpha, Heeknot, HMT Mayor, Holy Berry Jerry, <laughs> Hydra Jerry Solmond, a proud name to carry, Janitor Jerry, where do all these marbles keep coming from? <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Gerald of Rivia. <laughs> Jerry and Tom versus Happy New Year's Webby Apocalypse. Jerry the Sussy Baka. Jerry's mom has got it going on. Jerry Old Rivera. Fan favorite. Check out that mustache. <laughs> Jerry Bean. Yum. Jerry Roxas. Yay. Jerry's SDI pit maneuvered the van to save the marbles. Hooray. That's where all the marbles came from. <laughs> Jerry role playing game. Judge Jerry and Executioner, Kid Marvelous, Do Perfect, <laughs> King Tom, Kids and Kid, Life of a Guardian, Little Land Woods, Lucia Lovecraft, M M Machia, CD. <laughs> Maybe next time. Milk Fed Gimp, Miss Duchess, Not Invisible Angel, I see you. Oh my god, one like Jerry found a key and some pancakes. How did this happen? <laughs> or gave a cam. <laughs> I think we lost the plot of the Marble Jerry. <laughs> what the hell? Ghosty Raptor, Cheese by Jerry Pie, Cool Drink of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to sing it. God damn it. <laughs> Sheep Steve, Snary, that's Snob Jerry. <laughs> uh, Spoony the Rogue, Spoopy Scary Jerry John. <laughs>
Steve McGelly. Techno dubs. The gaslighting Jerry. Help, I'm the real red. Uh, Terry stole my channel. Uh, you didn't know what to do with it anyway. <laughs> I'm in charge now. The Necro Jerry Con. The original Jerry. Not. New Infinity Jerry and beyond. Definitely. <laughs> Two division Jerry managed to escape from Admiral Tom's to the cannery. Next challenge, a million subscribers. Check it out. <laughs> Tom promised. Jerry swears. Oh, no bad, Jerry Tom. Be a good boy. No swears. Just facts. Toy size. Go look it up. Buy it. Buy me the, the rice video. Eh, thanks. <laughs> and, of course, thank you to all of my $1 patrons as well. Beautiful people that they are. Woo! <laughs> we lost a couple people uh, with the, the changeover of the months, but that's okay. It happens from time to time. If you remain with us, I thank you so very much. If you're considering signing up on the Patreon, I thank you so very much as well. But if you can't do it, I mean, I thank you very much too. Uh, what's most importantly, you just, you came on through, you watched the videos, you know. <laughs> I hope you come back and do the same thing tomorrow, you know. <laughs> what the hell's happening to my brain? Uh, in order... To join us again, you're going to need to keep yourself safe out there. Wash your hands, but also take some time out and do something that you personally enjoy today. Maybe like uh, watching some more Red X videos. Thank you. <laughs> Always remember, friends, that you are loved, you are worthy, and you definitely, definitely deserve it. I shall see you in the next one. And until then, friends, bye-bye. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's a party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. The Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes. Like, follow, friend, do all that good stuff. And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing? Yeah.
we breaking bread. How y'all doing? We out here, chilling in the spot. What up? Trying to hold it all together, man. Life is moving fast right now. Man, so it's good to have everybody out there. I love that, man. I love it a lot. More than I could, I could, I could, I could say to you guys. Yeah, that was a uh, at a town a town hall meeting where a black man was talking to uh, a nigga like Mr. Burns, a character from The Simpsons, and uh, he said, "You're not gonna talk to me any kind of way. We're not in a, cat- a cotton field." And that white man uh, said, uh, "Well, you should be." You said that was a town like, hall meeting. He looked like Justice yeah. Stevens from the back. Ooh. He does. Yeah, he does. Oh, it says here, is it? Conf- cotton reference in debate. It doesn't show where it's at, but it seems to be everybody's in a nice suit. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Nah, that's it's, my first time seeing it or hearing it. So. Yeah. But Bruh, I don't know how that 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 gentleman kept his right. I don't know. How you know that why he stood there and not said anything about that? But could you imagine if, like we was talking about last week, he said that shit to Gary? Right. Oh, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> they said they said no, you a good nah, white man. Gary Be a good no, white man. No, no. <laughs> we use no. that to transition to uh we talk about that's good. Y'all was asking some good questions like how do we defeat this? How does this keep going on? Well Florida is doing their part to bury history. That way all this shit keeps going on. <laughs> uh <laughs> and like this and so, uh, hold on. I got. I might have my stories here mixed up because it all ties in together. Anyway, well, okay. So anyway, I don't know if y'all heard about the Florida bill where it's being touted as the bill where they say white people, but I guess it's like you can't make anyone feel uncomfortable when talking about these sensitive racial issues. But basically, they're trying to make a bill where you can't talk about anything as far as like CRT. "Quote unquote CRT," which we know is not a real, th- not it's not being taught at the high school level. They want niggas to be right. done with civil rights. Talking about civil rights, the history of Florida, which as up until what 1960, 70, still had sundown towns. Let's keep it real. Uh, for the most part, there was a large part there where more than Georgia, more than uh, the Carolinas, more than Mississippi, more niggas were being lynched there in Florida than a lot of those other southern states. Keep it real. Anyway, Florida School District cancels professor's civil rights lecture over critical race theory concerns. And I wish I had the uh, sound bites from this professor. He is uh, pretty, seems pretty, he was on the Dan uh, Lebertard show talking about this uh, today. And it really was a, a discussion about Civil rights, the history of civil rights in uh, Florida, and a lot of uh, things that just, I mean, shit, I, I don't know, because, of course, this shit don't get taught in high school, especially when you go to Blue Valley North. They're not talking about a lot of these. No. And for y'all that don't know, Blue Valley North is out in Overland Park. Uh, when I went there in 1995, I was the only black male in my high school graduating class. So they're not talking about <laughs> none of that shit, right? Um, 
But uh, Jack, uh, J. Michael Butler, history professor at Flagler College in St. Augustine, was scheduled to give a presentation Saturday to uh, Oscola. Was that? Yeah, I'll be fucking up. Uh, county, uh, county school district teachers called the Long Civil Rights Movement, which uh, postulates the civil rights movement uh, preceded and post-dated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. by decades. He said he was shocked to learn why the seminar had been canceled through an email Wednesday, but that wasn't. But that he wasn't surprised because educators educators feel increasingly intimidated over teaching about race. We have we, we talked about the Supreme Court. We got two edu- well, I mean, I mean, Ruben do educating too. But we got two uh, educators here also, and on the Dan Lebatard show, it made me think about uh, you, Joe, and Lady Lavender. They were talking about like how edu- some educators, especially in Florida, that, that's, that's where they were coming from, had this fear of just teaching about history. Now you know, not even the CRT bullshit that we've been been pumping through the airways, but just basic history of Florida, basic history of the South, civil rights movement. There are a lot of teachers out there because, like, nigga, they they talking about putting cameras in classrooms and cameras on teachers, and you know what I'm saying, like some real new age Nazi shit, bro. So, I, I, what say y'all? If y'all, I know y'all been following this shit, and I know. Joe had uh, a great sh- T-shirt on uh, on his uh, Facebook page. Love it. But anyway, what have y'all? What say y'all? Um, she, you know, Ida and I have been talking, um, sharing, you know, notes as far as uh, lesson plans and that type of thing. Thank you very much, Ida. I plan on on going through some of that and, and utilizing it. Um, I think I think we're both blessed to be in urban centers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where um, I think it, we're encouraged to go ahead and and and, and tell the truth. Um, we had a we had an episode last year uh, called "A la Carte History," and I think that's what we're experiencing here is that um, you've got the right wing that only wants to do the things that they feel like grabbing off the buffet, and they're leaving. You know, other facts like these are this is history. You know what I'm saying? The critical race theory, this is history. We're telling the story and we're telling our part of the story, and we are African Americans or Latino Americans. We are part of America. We are Americans. And this is our story, and it needs to be told just like everybody else's story. And to and to take it out of the frame of reference of what we're gonna speak on is to tell history teachers not to teach history. Mm-hmm. And well, okay. so, go ahead, sir. Well, what I was going to say is the history uh, of America is deeply rooted in racism. Well, racism is a part of the history, and that's the part that white fe- white people, I would say, is the most uncomfortable with. You know, they don't want to deal with the fact that racism is a problem, has been a problem since, you know, the birth of this nation. And will continue to be a problem until you actually sit down and confront the problem and deal with it. And, and to piggyback on that, I don't know. I don't know who said. I'm par- paraphrase, but it's like not just the history of this nation, but the history of just humanity within itself. Right? If you are reading history and you're not uncomfortable, you are reading propaganda. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hey, I have a question though, like uh, to the educators and and. You said something in that article that 
you know, kind of, you know, kind of stirred my thoughts. Like we've heard, I've heard all the things about, you know, not wanting to make people feel uncomfortable in teaching critical race theory and, and not wanting to make people feel bad about, you know, the past and what has happened in the past. But what a word you used now was fear. And so for me, I know you guys are in schools and you guys are actually, um, you know, kind of have a better pulse on what the school situation is like with that. What is the fear now? What What is that? Because that's, that's a big word to use, like fear, scared, intimidation. What is what is the fear that 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 teaching critical race theory is going to stem? Like, what, I, I, what, what I think I think I think here's what it is. And I, I'm a former high school teacher and former high school uh, administrator, assistant principal. Um, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's topsy turvy now. Right. Um, we we're catering and my wife teaches eighth grade science. So it's. It's the opposite of when we were growing up, not to sound like an old man yelling on my front yard, but, you know, you the the word of the teacher, which is, wasn't always great either because, you know, was what mattered. And now you get one pissed off parent who's going to show up at a school board meeting because they don't know. And, and I saw some of it as an administrator, right, when we'd be teaching, um, you know, say, uh, and it wasn't me, but one of my English teachers, right, would be teaching uh, – a book like Bless Me Ultima or something like that. You know, it's got a little bit of uh, uh, pre-colonial Santeria type stuff in it, you know. Um, and you'd have right, evangelical parents that would show up and say, why, why are you even talking about this in my class? You know, well, it's a fiction book, one, right? And, and what is the problem with showing the kids that there are different ways of Worshiping, or that there, or that there is a cultural significance to this kind of of thing, whatever, right? So I think they were doing a project for like Dia de los Muertos or something like that, right? For that, for the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had these parents that'd be upset, right? And that's the fear: is that one of these parents is going to show up at the superintendent's door, or at the principal's door, or God help us, use their three minutes at a school board meeting at the front of the meeting. You know, uh, to spout crazy stuff, right? And and what do you do, Joe? Uh, you know, you know this. You know, the the best thing you want, the only thing you want sometimes when you're a teacher is for your administration to back you up. Yep. Right. That's it. Just back me up. I'm. You know, because I, I was on both sides of that. You know, and you know, just back me up. The parent comes in. I just need your support. You know I mean, and. Now these parents are getting so noisy that administrators are not backing up teachers in the classroom, right? And my wife goes through it all the time, um, and 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 it's unfortunate and it's a shame, but that's where the fear is, you know. Well, I think it even goes deeper than that, uh, Ruben, because that's the the fear being presented within the schools, but it goes to the parents at home, and parents at home have this enormous fear that their children are going to be tainted just because they hear these things. These are the same type of parents a lot of times who feel like I can't have my kids see a gay person on TV because they're going to become gay just by seeing a gay person. And they feel that if my kids hear that 
some white person in some other time period of history did bad things, they're going to think all white people are bad. Or if they hear that something bad happened in the United States, they're going to think that all of the United States is bad. And so because of that, that's when they go to the school and like do these toddler tantrums uh, at school boards. And the right has been really successful. They've got these buzzwords, right? These keywords. And for like the past 10 years, what we've heard is they're indoctrinating, they're indoctrinating mm-hmm. your children, right? These liberal mm-hmm. universities are indoctrinating your children. These public schools that your tax dollars are paying for are indoctrinating your children into thinking that all white people are bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like spend 45 minutes in the classroom and you'll see, right? That that's not the case at all, right? These are facts. Uh, and but but you're right. I mean, I think I think that's. That's what it is, is the fear of the power structure, right? It's the mm. same reason why they're complaining that a woman is, all of a sudden, white men who have had 95% of the Supreme Court positions throughout history now are going to feel underrepresented, unrepresented on the Supreme Court. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it, it goes back to the same thing. That's, you're right. That's a deeper fear of, of losing the power balance. It. So does that mean that that's, you know, that... Um, I feel like that means that you're doing that you are going in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? When you start hearing the loudest uh, resistance and the and the loudest feedback in a negative way, so you know, I mean, I think that's just a necessary evil, man. You just got to eventually that has to be pushed through. Yeah, you know but the issue gotta, is that, push that, through that the issue is that it is moving in the right direction because we are being able to teach accurate history and more fuller parts of history in our classes. But um, because of these parents coming in and because they are having all of these explosions and protests and banning books that don't even need to be banned, um, we're not able to move all the way forward because then those teachers are asked to leave or those principals are asked to leave and superintendents are asked Mm -hmm. to leave and teachers are told they they cannot teach. Yeah. yeah, so like the teachers, as teachers, you got to abide by whatever rules and regulations, you know what I'm saying, that are set there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm saying push through, I'm more, I'm more talking about in a, a uh, in a cultural and a political way, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To um, because it's like you know, if we weren't, if 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 we weren't hitting on the source spot, we weren't hitting on the weakness. You know what I'm saying? That they really wouldn't be making. You know, if it was shit that really didn't matter, then they mm. wouldn't be making this big of a fuss, a fuss about it. You know what mm. I'm saying? So this is some shit, you know, mm-hmm. because they have an interest to protect. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hitting nerves, for sure. Right, right? exactly. It's, it's hitting it's, nerves. It's hitting nerves. And, and that's why representation matters, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we, we go back to that. Look at, look at some of the stuff that the Supreme Court is allowing. You know, just this past week, they're going to strike down, right, uh, admittance policies in North Carolina and at Harvard, mm-hmm. you know, that account for diversity, right? Yeah, and never mind and, and all the legacy applications and the mm-hmm. bits exactly. that they exactly. allow. Right. But that's right. not being held to stand. And, and, Once again, and that's why black and brown people matters. can't be there. Yeah. My bad, Ruben. Yeah, right. you're right. When that's I heard that, I got important. mad. <laughs> that's, you know, that is why it's important, too, you know, with what's going on with the Supreme Court situation, man. Because, mm-hmm. as you say, you know, these cases, you know, they eventually may make it up to a Supreme Court um, for a Supreme Court ruling. You know what I mean? So especially with um, what's going on in school, in the schools as far as what can be te- what can be taught and what can't be taught, what books, you know, can be read or discussed right. and whatnot. You know, so 
Yeah, man. I yeah. mean, you know, so that's what I'm saying. We just, I think it's it's just a matter of, it's not going, motherfuckers ain't just going to lay down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, oh, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I was going to say, there's a there's an expression out there in the, in the black community that a hit dog will holler. I love mm-hmm. it, girl. That's one of my favorite yeah. things to say. Right. Yeah. yeah, these folks are hollering because, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, we strike, we've been striking at the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the issues and, and try again teaching the real history that has been buried for years that right. was not taught at Blue Valley North. No, nope. I'm saying in no, no, some no, no, other no, places no, around no, the country, no. it's time for everybody to hear that history. But now it's all it hurts my feelings. Right. So, mm-hmm. so now they hop. And, and think about how and think about how weak of a fucking um, argument that is, dog. But How have our feelings. feelings felt in all these years of this country's existence when we've had to learn history, all right. types of minorities, whether it's racial or able-bodied or anything else, because all you ever hear about is, like, able-bodied white men and some women, and that's it. And everything else is, like, slavery. That's yeah, all true. you basically learn in school. So slavery, how does that make black people feel? Slavery, One of those things, I was going to say, one of those things I think, and, and Roger kind of alluded to it last week, is is the old guard, right? So they see that they're losing control. And they see that, they, they see that the old way of thinking and their ship is going down. And so with that, you know, when, and you can relay it back to, you know, situations in life, when people feel like, or a person or someone feels like they're losing control, they go through desperate measures to try to gain that control back. And and so for me, I kind of feel like that's where we're at with the critical race theory too, is that they feel like if we don't do something about this immediately and try to change, or like Ruben said, you know, indoctrinate a different way of thinking about this rather than the real way of thinking about this, then we're going to actually absolutely lose control. And what we thought we've always had will immediately go away and we will lose all hand. We will lose the entire handle on what we thought we had in, in this country. Because we have a lot of people who are, quote-unquote, waking up um, Mm -hmm. and understanding that we have been, you know, we've been sheltered and taught bullshit, and and now people's eyes are opening to what the bullshit actually really is. And so I I think another another part of it is that 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 loss of control and that feel of desperation is like we've got to do something now. And this is something we can start at in the schools at a very young age. We can show them that it's okay, you know, um, you know, not to we don't want to make everybody feel bad. We don't want people to feel bad for the sins of your father, but the sins of your father, you're going to have to pay for it. Like that's right. just a part of life. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pay for the sins of the father or the sins of the mother, because that's why you are where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I, I put this. I mean, yeah, like, there there is an inheritance tax, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and they trying to get rid of that too. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think about it this way, man. Like before Trump. When Trump first said, when they were on stage with a hundred Republicans going for the nomination, niggas was partying, mm-hmm. motherfuckers was hee-heeing, this should have never happened. And it went from a hundred to fifty to twenty to ten, and that nigga was still there. And motherfuckers mm-hmm. was still like, no way, no way. And here we are, that motherfucker's here. You know what I'm saying? 
and he's been you know, president. And then now here we are post post that, and now these motherfuckers are like, well, what else can we do? And motherfuckers are saying, ain't no way they going to stop us from teaching the history of this country. And here you have a governor, yeah. you have a governor of a state supporting and pushing the bill where teachers, and also we got another, we got another clip here because we talked about motherfuckers wanting to monitor people. Motherfuckers want, well, that's a special agency to monitor elections, but also the same state, they want to monitor teachers and what they're teaching in classrooms. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, when we talk about the fear, that's why AC made me think about it. The fear is you're talking about asking teachers to give up their livelihood. That's what's going to come down to if we're not careful. You don't have. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, Ruben, 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 before you go in. I want to ask you a question. Where's the lawsuit? Where's the lawsuit here? Like, somebody's got to be able to take this thing up through, you know what I'm saying, the federal court system, the appeals court, and and, and say, this this got to this gotta be unconstitutional. It got to be. I, I yeah. hope it is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, you know, there's all kinds of First Amendment implications. Um, you know, as you all know, Neither students nor teachers have complete First Amendment freedoms in a school building. Uh, right. But but for sure, this is something that could get challenged if it if and when it does get implemented. Right. Is there, could, is there a state's rights see, involved too? Is there what? Uh, states' rights involved in that too? Would that be an issue, or could it be an issue? Could, could I be. Think it's an impediment. Yeah. I think it's an yeah, impediment. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and you know for sure that. I don't know how strong teachers unions are and teachers unions are in, in Florida. I know we don't have real real powerful unions here in Texas, but you know you can see the teachers unions kind of banding behind this and 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 challenging it. And here's a problem, Joe, and and this is why, you know, sorry to take it back, but this is why Supreme Courts pick Supreme Court picks matter, right? Because mm-hmm. where are you going to end up? Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? And everyone in Texas, for example, knows, you know, if you're going to challenge a state policy that's, you know, that that 30 years ago would have been declared facially on, on its face constitutionally invalid because of the disparate impact it's having on a minority population, it ain't like that anymore. You're going to bump up against the Fifth Court of Appeals, which is one of the most conservative courts in the country and if you can get past that you've got the sixth three supermajority that's going to be hard but and, Ruben, as as you said the warren court was put in by eisenhower a republican mm-hmm. a conservative uh president and it became one of the most liberal courts ever i'm wondering mm-hmm. if this doesn't get to the court and the people re- you know i don't know that's what Stevens was talking about, that when you're on that court, you're a judge, and you're a judge of all the people. And if if, you, if this court, if this case makes it to the court, if two of the, you know, maybe a Roberts or, you know, whoever else mm-hmm. look at this thing mm-hmm. and say, you know what, we can't do this because this is a clear violation of said statute, you know, it be that freedom of speech or, you know, whatever it be. Yeah, um, and... You know, you we kind of had a shot for a while. I mean, Roberts has actually turned out to be okay. I think you know, Chief Chief Justice Roberts is one of those guys that just you know, when he was nominated by Bush, there were some real questions, but he has really taken his role as the Chief Justice 
very seriously and, and has sided not always with the, the right wing of the court. And then, of course, we had Justice Kennedy, who is a swing vote a lot. Um, now, you know, some of these new folks that have come in, especially Kavanaugh, Barrett, and, and even Clarence Thomas, who's been there a long time, <sighs> are so just ideologically unmovable that that is hard to see where that kind of, you know, togetherness is, is going to come from. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of on a place-to-place basis, you know? Um, in some, some of the bluer northern states, this would never fly, you know? And, of course, down here, you know, <laughs> the governor in Texas saw that shit from Florence and said, hold my beer, what's this, right? Talk, talk, about, talk about Nazi policies. That motherfucker said, I want you to go through every school library in the state yep. mm-hmm. and, and find me books that might be offensive Essentially, to white people. Yeah, right. and, and 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 like in bringing this story up and like talking about it. Yeah, hey, I'm selfish. I got, I got. When I hear this shit, you can't. I know Josh Howley and all these motherfuckers got they got they binoculars looking down there over <laughs> at motherfucking uh at Florida. I got two people on the show who I love who are educators. I got children who are being educated in the state of Missouri. So I know. This shit down there in Florida, and now knowing that your wife's an educator, Ruben, I know people who I, I I know, like, and love. This shit's going to affect them if this mm-hmm. shit just continues to roll the way it's rolling yep. right now. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very selfish and biased when I talk about this because like I, I know it fucks the people who I care about in my children's livelihood and how they gonna learn to be educated, man. This it, this shit is crazy. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, we talked about it, you know. Um, let's 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 let a let's let a brother who is at the at the the heart of the debate. It's an eight minute clip. He gets he he pretty much gets his feelings out in the first minute. This is a uh, representative uh, Raymond Alexander uh, talking down in uh, Florida after this quote unquote white discomfort bill gets passed. Debate was actually offensive. And, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really sick of this stuff, you know? And it takes a lot to even mentally prepare to participate in this type of situation. Um, you know, I woke up uh, this morning early just to attempt to spiritually prepare myself. And so I hear about guilt and feeling a certain type of way. But you can only imagine how I feel just reading the bill. We can talk about subjectivity. We can talk about objectivity. But when it's all said and done, and I'm going to say this as professionally that I can, y'all got to find another way to communicate to your base. Boom. Anyway, we can keep moving. He got his point across. Stop talking to your base. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jeff. The idea. The I. You got. You got the fucking uh, white discomfort with the snowflake uh, emoji behind it. Yes, sir. And like when we start talking about, it, I think I think Ada alluded to it. You know that this is going to make some people uncomfortable. What about the fact that we still have a. Uh, 
plantations on our money. What about like, Monticello is still on the nickel. Yes. Right. Who the fuck, like, we not getting offended by that shit? Right. I, I don't understand. Mount Rushmore is a monument to slave owners? I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nigga, but, but, but you can't, you can't, yeah. but like right now you're debating in Florida. If you can even bring that fucking fact up, bro, mm-hmm. that's the debate. Exactly. That's where we at, nigga. I, I, I mean, I know you know it and everybody on the show knows. So we saying it for the, for the, for the audience, but like, that's where we at. What the fuck? And that was going to be my next statement, bro. Like what Joe was saying, like how many people actually even are aware of that fact. Mm-hmm. I don't like that, how many people even know that. And that's what's scary though, right? Like 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 I brought it up on this show before. I was the only black male in my nursing class. There was another black female. And I took for granted like the education that my 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 parents gave me outside the classroom. The topic of the Tuskegee experiment was brought up. I was the only person who knew about it outside, outside of my teacher. And there was another black woman in the fucking classroom. And we're not talking about a class of 10. We're talking about at that, I mean, at that point in time before people started failing, we're talking about a class of 50 nursing students. I was the only motherfucker who knew what the Tuskegee experiment was. Education and teaching about the ugliness of this country is fucking <clears throat> essential. It's essential. It makes me upset when I talk to people and they don't know. Like we, we like, like. Oh my God! There's the there's, there's the Oklahoma, the, the Tulsa City the, bombing the, on the, the, on, on the Watchmen. Did that really happen? Yeah, it happened, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The massacre on Black Wall Street is what I call it. It, it didn't. It didn't happen 200 years ago either, nigga. 1929. Oh, but you but you know when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but you don't know when they was dropping bombs on black people in motherfucking Oklahoma. Anyway, I'm let me fucking let me destroy my soapbox so we can keep fucking going on. <sighs> hey, guess what, y'all? Teachers are mad. We talked about this. Uh, some 200 Missouri <laughs> and Kansas superintendents may quit amid COVID turmoil. Hostile parents. Thank y'all for the great segue. Yes. <laughs> Superintendent Mark Snow was already thinking about retiring after 30 years as an educator, but his last two years of navigating COVID-19 shutdowns and this should have been in all caps, parental hostility over mask wearing in the curriculum left him with no doubt that it was time to go. I'm not going to lie, says Snow, who heads the Grain Valley School District. The hostile environment made it a lot easier to write my letter. I know that motherfucker was just one word, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but that's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. Like 30, 30 years, all the bullshit he's seen in the last two years is what's broke this man. Yeah. It took two years of uh, took two years of bullshit to break him. And I don't well, know if my... it's probably the blatant disregard for like was I know you guys as teachers see it every day. Just the blatant disregard of what you guys have to deal with every day, not just dealing with other people's kids, but dealing with their parents and then dealing with their parents' opinions of what they think a school setting should look like. And then 
you know, their their disregard for, you know, the whole mask thing is ridiculous to begin with itself. Like, you know, the, the whole idea that you're infringing you're infringing upon my rights because I want I want you to help us protect everybody. That shit is crazy. So I mean just the disregard for what these people do every day and what these educators <clears throat> deal with every day, I, I would imagine he would just, you know, flip them the bird and be like, fuck y'all, I'm out of here. I'm done with this shit. Fuck this shit. We, 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 found some, we found something out, AC, all these last two years. We figured out that a lot of people, a lot of people think public education is a daycare. Not a place where you send your child to learn from a trusted, educated individual. A lot of motherfuckers think these think middle school, elementary, high school is a goddamn daycare. And we we the last two years we found that fucking out. Wow. See, you actually trust. Don't don't forget. I must say, you said trusted. Don't forget credential. My bad. Credential. That's yeah. that's a better word. Thank yeah, you, bro. Certified. Credential. Certified. Trusted. Underpaid. So, and hold on. Let's add underpaid, not right, respected. Very unpaid. I mean, we, 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 nigga, a book of words can go to that. Yeah. Well, I bet it opened a lot of these motherfucking parents' eyes when they had to deal with them, deal with this shit themselves, and yeah. had to try. You know, it's like, oh, we can't send them nowhere, and they got to sit here, and we actually have to help educate them and help make sure they stay on top of their shit. Yeah, you gotta understand. That, that you're not just paying somebody to babysit your child, you're actually paying somebody because just like us, when we go to work eight, nine, ten hours, however many hours we work per day, you are entrusting these people with the development of your child. Of your child. And, and I don't think a lot of people were able to actually physically see that until they asses had to stay at home and, and watch them, you know, try to handle what these educators deal with on a daily basis, five days a week, for eight hours a day, you know what I mean? and that's just the eight hours there with the kids. Yep, right? exactly. Because I know, I know, you know. You think my wife was a lawyer? The way the work goes at home, you know what I mean? Now I look over; it's eleven thirty midnight. She's still working on lesson plans. She's still cutting stuff out. You know, she's still putting her Google Classroom together. I'm like, damn, you know. I mean, my I've got. My day's done, and and her day, you know, after dinner, her there's a whole other shift for her, you know. Yep. To prep for the following day. Exactly. That's crazy. That is that's crazy. See. Yeah, man. Like like yeah. That's Salute. That's, that's education. Why, yeah, that's why whenever we have shows, we talk about education. It's always respect, man, because it's people don't understand. Yo, little Billy, little Bobby, Karen. All them mouth-breathing motherfuckers. Matter of fact, put a mask on them because some of y'all don't make y'all kids brush their teeth. So they, the mask is probably helping right. uh, outside of COVID. But, yeah, man, mm -hmm. your kids ain't shit because yeah. you ain't shit. And here we so, are. The one thing I – go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I'm go done, dog, but go ahead. So what I was going to say is the one good thing that COVID has really taught us, uh, especially people who uh, have at least common sense – has taught us how um, how fucked up human the human race is. Um, you know, you have on one end you have people who wants to be safe, who wants to follow the rules, 
who wants to do the do the right thing to you know at least deal with this situation at hand and then at the other spectrum you have the people that is ready to get back to normal to their normal lives and everything like that without following the rules and succumbing to the consequences of Man, you know fuck all that it's a fucking mask put it on bro we ain't, we ain't asking you to fucking we ain't asking you to put a 50 pound vest on we ain't asking you to fucking go out and pick cotton we ain't asking you to after you leave your place of employment to go to another town because this is a goddamn sundown town, nigga. Put a fucking <laughs> mask on, bro. We asking you to put a fucking cloth on. Half you motherfuckers out there eating booty holes and dirty pussy and sucking unclean dicks. You can put a mask on, dog. It's that simple. It's really that goddamn simple. Put a mask on. We ain't that. You won't get vaccinated. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Shout out to all the unclean dick suckers out yeah, there. Yeah, all the unclean dick suckers. <laughs> shout out to you. You 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 are underappreciated. You know what I'm saying? That's but, really disgusting. Yeah. Somebody almost threw up on the show. But the end of the day uh, is make the world go round. I'm just right. saying, dog. Like we like like we in a society where we babying motherfuckers so much, dog. It's like the real. We think we got to the point where we we went from everybody get vaccinated to just put a cloth over your fucking face. That's all we asking you to do, dog. Yep. Hey, but you know how it works, man. Everybody gets a fucking medal. So you can get a medal. You know I what? mean, can, can you imagine these people around when they were handed out polio vaccines? Man, we still, we would still have polio, dog. Niggas would still be fucked up. <laughs> we would be, we would all be but in them big the ass. We Shit. we all be in them big ass iron lungs right now. Yeah. Dog. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It does show how self you said ten, you said it shows how, you know, fucked up the human race is, but just to take it, it really a step is. further, it shows how selfish and uneducated yeah. and uninformed a lot of these motherfuckers are, man. It's true. Y'all know what, it's true. Y'all know what time it is. Thanos is right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we move on though, uh here is a nursery of coons uh with a slave master. Uh say no more. And I still think that's Brian Pumper. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> no one, no one has proved, said it's not. Hey, dog. Hey. I, I, you know what? Let's do some what if. Let's imagine if that was Barack Obama at his house with a picture of him shaking hands with Kim Jong Un. They burned this motherfucking planet down. Anyway, fuck them. All right, moving on. Uh, racist text <laughs> message. Somebody say something? Anyway, racist text messages from uh, the racist who killed Ahmad uh, Aubrey. Um, Aubrey, my bad. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked and surprised that they would have racist text messages. Men convicted of murdering Ahmad Arbery are in federal court today to face hate crime charges. Travis McMichael, his... You know what? I knew it wasn't just me. These niggas spelled his name wrong in this motherfucking uh, subtext. <laughs> God damn it. Father Greg and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, were sentenced to life in prison last month for the February 2020 killing. Federal prosecutors want to introduce text messages that they say show Bryan's hostility toward African Americans. His attorneys want to keep an eye out, saying they are, quote, highly inflammatory and would create some bias amongst jurors. 
First Coast News is, of course, inside of that courtroom today, and we will keep you up to date on the very latest from Brunswick. But unlike in the state murder cases, cameras are not allowed inside of federal court. Jury will begin in this case. We can't allow the bias that these white men had against this black man to introduce bias into their court hearing. Or I guess their 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 sentencing, my bad. Don't do that. I I, I got a question. <laughs> yes, sir. We declared in twenty twenty, I think it was, or towards the end of twenty twenty, that Georgia was the asshole of America. We did. For that we did. year. We did. That, that year. year. Yeah, I, that year. I think I think Georgia bounced back hard in twenty twenty. Came back hard. They bounced back real hard in twenty one. So yes, we in twenty two, but 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 we 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 didn't do it in the year end awards. What was the asshole of America in twenty twenty one? Damn, good question. It might be. I don't I don't know who the asshole is, but I I I, I go back to what I was watching a Pat and Oswald comedy show. That motherfucker said Florida is America's dick. <laughs> America's defeat dick. Florida yeah. continues to work hard un, under, underneath the, the veil of, of, of justice. I might uh, say Texas might have done it last year. Texas? They had that last year. What was it February? This time, I think it was this week last year. The snowstorm that wasn't really a snowstorm mm. that knocked shit out. You had all the vi vaccine stuff, the virus Texas stuff last year. Right. So you and gonna open up wounds? That's that's what y'all yeah. doing. Y'all gonna open up wounds? Yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. but it happened in twenty one, man. Because um, <laughs> we had our long race theory, and then and then they refused to shovel the fucking snow, and, yeah. and all right. the power went out. Texas might be it. That's good. And all power. the Democrats left. Where they left the state, trying to hold up yeah. the the vote on the really restrictive voter ID laws. That yeah. passed anyway. And then, and then you gerrymandered the motherfucker, too. Hold on, though. Hold yeah. on. Hold yeah. on. But Texas, we... got, but Texas got Joe Rogan, though, man, so that makes it all good. No, 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 no. Because oh, oh, wow. wow. I, I was about to say why. And Joe Rogan in Florida? He's in Florida. No. Texas, Texas. Austin, Texas. But hold on, though. Why not a state? Yeah. It's a district. They allowed a bunch of white people to come in, fuck up all their shit, all and they... leave without being arrested. Hmm. You say what now? D.C., the Capitol building. They allow yeah, a bunch of white people yeah. to come in, storm their shit, fuck everything up, and no one got arrested. Right. That's true. Well, they got yeah. 30 days. So maybe America is the asshole of America. I'm just saying. Hey, hey, triple B's coming for you. That might, might be the black eye, man. I, I, I don't the black eye? Wrong. The black eye. The black eye they were stomping out. They were stomping out the Capitol Police on TV. <laughs> I'm not putting that on DC though. Oh, that wasn't the mayor of DC. That wasn't, you know what I'm saying? That was, that was. That's why I say it. It's not being an asshole. Yeah. So I don't know, bro. So that's an asshole. There. Like, that's, that is a. Uh huh. Like, I'm like, if, if you say, yeah, man, white people come, come here sometime, they just break shit and leave. I'm like, I'm not coming to your district, bro. <laughs> No, I feel you though. No, te Texas did. Texas did. They did yeah. show their ass. It was like people dying. They like, we we can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and Ted Cruz went on vacation. And Ted Cruz <laughs> tried to go to Ted Cruz. Cruz said, bye. 
<laughs> and the only reason why he came back is he got on caught on camera, nigga. <laughs> Oh, nah, shit. That's, that's a good call. Texas By his daughter? One. Yeah, his daughter don't fuck with him. This, this uh, is sad. Uh, a uh, family of Pennsylvania black man calls his death a modern-day lynching. Peter Bernardo Spencer was only... First of all... Right I, there. I, I mean, right there. Come I don't on. try to blame the victim, but as I said in the chat group, like, when, I, when my wife... And I, what? I, I'm saying, when my white friends invite me oh, places... Oh, no, I'm just reading the caption. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, when my white friends invite me places, I usually ask, where y'all going? And if I feel like I'm going to be the only <laughs> nigga there, I don't... I'll be like, I, got, I, I ain't going to be able to make it. I mean, that's got to be clue what? number one. You know what I mean? That, that's got to be... Come on now. Not only is the only black person, he's going camping. Camping. It's like all the things that you don't do as a black person. As <laughs> a black man. Yeah. If, you, if you've seen Deliverance. Jamaican, the four major red flags. The four <laughs> major red flags. He was Jamaican, man. And that's you the problem. Nobody, like nobody like tells it. He said, Mama Clots. They won't kill me. Everything could be iry. I told him the four major red flags somebody should tell this nigga about. The four major red flags somebody should tell this nigga about. Is A, it's white people. B, there's gonna be alcohol. C, there's gonna be guns. And D, it's gonna be in the woods. Nigga, that's, th- nigga, that's uh, a cocktail. Well, hold on, hold on. You yes. forgot about, you forgot about D. You're gonna be the only yes. nigga there. Yeah, e. yeah, <laughs> nigga, that is literally the first 10 minutes of your worst, of your best horror movie. I'm saying it's deliverance. It's deliverance, bro. It's del- is. No, th- this is the that's scariest right, deliverance bro. ever. Because in, in this yeah, version of yeah. deliverance, uh, motherfucking uh, Burt Reynolds and everybody try to find this nigga still trying to get escaped. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be way worse. Even the hillbillies going to be trying to find this nigga. Okay. So the family of Pittsburgh black man who was fairly shot nine times while on the camera trip a month ago in rural Pennsylvania. In the back. In, in the, the back. In the back. Yeah has uh, voiced frustration with handling of their son's death uh, by authorities and have called his death a modern-day lynching, according to NBC News. Peter Bernardo Spencer, a 29-year-old black man, was shot multiple times on December 12th at a residence in Rockland Township, Pennsylvania. Spencer was invited on a trip by a former co-worker. Well, if he's dead, I guess he is former. And was the only black man on the trip. Sorry. Just like the former Delta president? Yeah, my bad. I had to do it. Had to do it. Uh... Yeah, like, like, like this. My bad. This is really this. This shit. This shit is. This, this is like that young boy. The, the, the young boy they found what was it, a couple years ago. Uh, rolled up in that fucking wrestling mat in in a gym, and said they said he rolled himself up into the mat. This this is what this smells of, bro. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. He rolled himself up while he was dead. Rolled himself up into the wrestling mat. Yeah, so they saying this brother, there was like drugs, multiple firearms, controlled substances, other items were seized on the scene. The autopsy was completed on December 14th. The findings are pending toxicology and laboratory results. I mean, we'll keep an eye on this, but I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure they're going to. Then they got shot back nine times, nine times. And none of them motherfuckers know anything about it. No one knows anything. Nobody knows shit. He just failed. Yeah, that's... They said we. Did you see they were? It said right there they were released after consultation with the district attorney. Mm-hmm. I mean that's something we learned from the Ahmad Aubrey case, right? Indeed. Yeah. Is, is is you know that first level district attorney 
those those positions are local as hell, man. I mean, you can't ever trust that. Yeah. Mm. Shit, they probably in the same poker game. Same mm-hmm. poker game. Did I? I don't know. We were all sleeping. Then we heard Bumaclot, and we woke up. He was dead. <laughs> all right, man. If a tree if a tree falls in the woods and nobody sees it, did it really fall? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dog. This is, this, this shit is crazy though, dog. Shot nine times in the back. And then, as Ruben pointed out, consulted with the DA, and everybody went home. Everybody went home safe. Everybody went to the house. Back to their life. I, I mean, it's time for that. Uh, was that uh, uh, a time to kill a moment where it's just flipped <laughs> around? Now imagine he was white and everybody was black. I mean, this sounds like a movie where you like you like take a nigga out in the woods and release him, and that motherfucker becomes no. a game. What did that movie was it? Was it that Trespass? Ice yeah, that's a movie with Ice T. Yeah, that's Trespass. Right. That Trespass. Out of the game. Out of the game. My bad. Out of the game. Yeah. 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 They they captured that nigga and let him go free, and it was basically a bunch of white men chasing him down for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I mean, at least they're not buying them hamburgers anymore. You know what I mean? They bought Dylan Roof some have some some Burger King. So, oh my God, I hate um, it here. I mean, at least they're not taking him out to dinner anymore. Shit. Hey, hey, you pieces of shit in Florida. This is the reason why we gotta talk about lynching and race because this shit's still happening. Yeah, so that was that was Florida. No, this ain't Florida. This is Pennsylvania. But it's, I'm, I'm saying I'm I'm, sh- I'm shitting it down to Florida, saying this is the reason why these talks must happen. How about second Florida out to a head start in uh in 2022, man? <laughs> nah, I hate that. A big head start. You know who's out to a bigger head start? Houston. <laughs> well played. Well played transition. I couldn't. Sir. I couldn't help it. Uh, since January 23, additional murders have taken place in Houston, according to uh, to HPD. There have been 41 home. God damn, 40, 41 homicides through the morning of January 25th. Y'all no, niggas, it's, up to, it's up to 46 now, sir. <laughs> oh. Wow. Y'all putting in work. <laughs> Y'all God. niggas need to take yeah, it back. Four more days. So that's like... <clears throat> we still got four more days That doesn't make any sense, bro. That's that fucking inflation. They got inflation murder numbers. <laughs> it's really only ten, but because of inflation, they had to adjust yeah. it. <laughs> Murders don't get you as much as they used to. You know what I mean? Oh my God! This, as much as they used to. This man. Oh hey, God. you know when you laughing that niggas get shot in the parking lot of the Shell Station? That's what Houston is, bro. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do By here. By the way, uh, that's what we do here. Since we're talking about Houston, shout out to Harris County Judge uh, Lena Santos. Look her up. Right, right, right. For sure. He's a cutie man. Oh, shout out, shout out. Represented. I love it. I love it. Can she go on the court? Can she go on the court? Uh, in Texas, we call them constitutional county judges. So she's she's like the the head of the county, basically. Okay. I'm, and they I'm do. Trying, I'm, they do. I'm trying to get Joe Biden to recognize her and get that nomination, man. Joe? I don't know. I don't know if she's a lawyer or not. Oh, oh okay. My bad. My bad. My bad. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Since we just shouting out people, shout out to uh, Sylvia Winston, uh, Duke Law School graduate. Uh, put her on the bench. There we go. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out. Oh shit. Oh my god. This is all bad. Uh, Georgia pastor wife arrested after eight found locked in basement. God damn. 
Damn. What's the date on this? Georgia. January 27th. Okay. You cannot outdo us. Uh, a Georgia pastor and wife were arrested and charged. The police found eight people locked in the basement of their home, according to NBC News. Uh, Curtis Bankston and his wife, Sophia Sim Bankston, were charged with false imprisonment. Uh, the police learned the people in the basement had mental and physical disabilities and were essentially imprisoned against their will, which created an extreme hazard as the individuals could not exist, could not, uh, could not exist. Oh, exit the residence. No, so they spelled that all wrong. Exit the residence if they were, if there was an emergency. So basically they were like, ah, oh, yeah, it's bad that y'all had people who were disabled in the basement, but because they couldn't leave on their own free will. That's the reason why we got to arrest you, not because you kept them as slaves. Police called out the couple's abuse of power as, as really if, if both frightening and disgusting to see the degree to which the individuals had been taken advantage of by, the, by people who were in the position of trust, police said in a statement. Yeah, this is all bad. You shouldn't be knocking people in your basement. Amen. Uh, I think this is uh, from 10's Neck of the Woods, Hollywood shootout injuries. Holly Grove shootout injures bystanders near soccer field where children were playing. Come on, y'all. We got to do better. Let the babies play soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the babies, uh, they're out, you know, you know, just typical day, soccer, soccer practice and everything like that. And all of a sudden there's a shootout. Uh, Did they say why? Do you, do you no, know why? They didn't, say, they didn't say exactly why. Not there's a good reason. Yeah. There's never a good reason for a shootout, but anyway, um, I mean, I mean, it might be a good reason. They lead you back home, Lil Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, a reports of um, a one car. One car was struck with uh, more than sixty bullets. Yeah, they said sixty shots were fired, and yeah. that more than hundred little girls in nearby practicing soccer. Man, so that's bad, man. Come on, let's do better, y'all. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Send in the asteroid, please. Yeah. Uh, here's some video uh -huh. of, this is Clayton Looney, a professor, wow, a professor at University of Montana, calling his biracial daughter the N-word. I love you, Daddy. Again, Florida. This is well, he why. Got caught on, on a ring doorbell. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> little nigga, nigga, nigga. Uh, uh, ain't safe nowhere no more. Uh, hey, speaking of not safe, hold on, y'all. If you <laughs> ever come to Kansas City and you in a truck that is higher, was it? What is it? Ten feet? Eleven feet? 12 feet. 12 feet. 12 foot bridge. It's the, independent, it's the bridge on Independence Avenue. Independence it's Avenue. Right by where I go, it's right where I go shopping for uh, groceries. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Do and, uh, not test the bridge. It's unfucking defeated. No, no, we, we yeah. You, you can go there. You can go there. If you got a, if you got a CDL, ah. if you want to keep that CDL, do not go down Independence Avenue. No, at all. Let's, Not in that portion of it. Hold on. Let me, let me wind this back here. God damn it. Hold on. Ah! No, no. 
Wine is back. As you see, there's a truck coming. Uh, I wasn't ready when I saw the video. Uh, this nigga <laughs> lost for real, for real. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Undefeated. Heavyweight champion of the world. That bridge... <laughs> That bridge has its own Facebook page and Twitter account. <laughs> Check it out. Independence Avenue Bridge. Oh, shit. Hey, dog. I, I don't know why they you do know, it. Uh, it they, they, they ain't got, what's that, uh, Waze or why the little driving app? They should, all truckers should have that app. Waze. Let them know, do not come down this road, my nigga. No, now, there's a there's a former coworker I have that every she used to work at the school that's right around the corner from there. Uh huh. And so every time every time uh, the bridge's account, you know, what I'm saying, posts something about another uh, another car, you know, another can getting opened up. Um, <laughs> you know, we kind of <laughs> we kind of pass that shit back and forth, and she. So I sent her this one. I said, "Oh man, you've been liking the little pictures of the aftermath. You're gonna love this because that shit was the live action." <laughs> Live action, dog. Uh, I wasn't she was ready. Like, that motherfucker was just undeterred. I'm going underneath this bridge. No, <laughs> you don't down anything. Hey, dog, is the is the what the fuck's going on? Hey, dog, is that is that is that bridge built of vibranium? It might be. <laughs> Cause everybody hit that bitch. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of getting hit. If you get hit in the parking lot, here's what you do. Bro, these niggas hit me in the parking lot, bro. We about to be paid. Play that, bro. Play that. You already know the vibes. Bro, what the f***? You lying. No, no, no. Y'all hit me. Y'all hit me. Y'all hit <laughs> What is he doing in the front seat? Oh, my. Why you hit him, bro? Now you again. No, bro. They hit me. They hit me, bro. Look, he crying because they know he did it. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you nigga hit me. Uh, <laughs> the law offices of Ruben. They stupid. Call them if you find yourselves in such a predicament. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that baby. I wasn't ready for the baby in the front seat, nigga. I almost, I almost lost it. <laughs> That's in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, now, what, what took me out is how this nigga was uh, at the end. Uh, talking to him, standing. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, he was hit, and his shoe was off. His shoe was like the sh- the the shoe that was off was like where he was standing at originally. That's what fucked me up too. <laughs> and I and I think old boy in the first car in the back seat, he was in the baby seat, and the baby was in the front seat. Nigga, <laughs> it's so much. Um, it was funny. Uh, we, oh, as y'all can see, we definitely into the fuckery of the show. Hey, so do y'all do y'all watch these uh like like slapping events? Oh shit! Slap offs. Yeah, I seen a, I seen one in a. Uh, I see them every now and again. Yeah. Okay, so understand this: these men and there are women that do it too, but I think it's mostly men on this next video. Yeah, no, you can't slap me like this and I not fight you. Like, we gonna have to fight, nigga, because there, there are some people where you can see the sweat coming off their body. Hey, man, hey, man, you gotta, you gotta have a trained neck for this, though. You got, what's that word? You gotta have a, you gotta have a sturdy constitution. What is it? That's the word? You gotta... <laughs> Let's go live to the scene, Chuck. 
Это был вызов, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, now, yeah. what is the weight class requirement? Because it's obvious that nigga was fighting way above his weight class, bro. <laughs> that is a block. He got the nigga's weight. That is a block. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, shit. Yeah. I lost y'all. Oh, there we go. Oh, uh, shit. Hold on. One. Uh, okay, that's. Oh, I fucked up the, the order. We'll talk about that later, though. Yeah, um. What? Oh shit! Turn this volume up too. I like. I brought this to the group. I thought it was cute. Spider Verse. Two different black Spider Men. What would happen? <laughs> nah, wait, wait, so, wait, so, so you're saying in this right. universe, Spider Man's you're black? white? Hold on. So, so let me get this straight. Do, do you still know an Iron Man? You, you mean the tungsten gentleman? What about Doctor Strange? <laughs> you're talking about Mister Weird? Do you have an Aunt May? We got Mima June, the Green Goblin, and the Turquoise Troll. Are you, are you still talking about Mary Jane? Her name's Happy Death. You know Captain America? You mean Lieutenant Germany? The Winter Soldier? The Summer Marine? Black Panther? We got the White Pooh. Not now. So you're telling me you ain't got the Guardians of the Galaxy? Nah, we got the Supervisors of the Solar System. <laughs> what about Ant-Man? Termite buddy. Thanos? Kratos. Do you even have the Avengers? We got the Retaliators. Hold on, I had enough. Why Spike Lee? Why? His name is Stanley. His name is... Why Spike Lee? Why? His name is Stanley. Stanley. I don't know why. We have the retaliators. Hey, dog, the retaliators <laughs> and the supervisors of the solar system, nigga. Why Spike Lee? Hey, the supervisors of the solar system. I was at work housing, nigga. Oh, uh, shit. You know what? I, you know what? I did this last on purpose because I knew we have a friend here that. Uh... Yeah. Doom, 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 doom. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me rewind. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ten, you ready? No. <laughs> I feel like this might be a blocker charge. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready on Tuesday night when I found out. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. It's your old friend here, KC Stork. He ain't dead, y'all, but he gone. Saints head coach Peyton stepping away from football. <laughs> he said, fuck the Saints. He said, Pretty I can't much. win. I got a fucking, no. I got a fucking 6'8", 290-pound quarterback that can't complete a pass. <laughs> Jameis, crab legs. Winston ain't got no legs. <laughs> how the fuck? Totally, he, got, he tore his ACL. He tore, how the fuck am I supposed to win the Super Bowl, nigga? I got a defense that can't defend. 
you know what? I'm gonna take a year off and come back and be a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. What's say? How, how you feeling, Ten? I feel. Uh, I feel. You know, confident. I feel confident. Confident about what? Confident about right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh in successive years you've lost the two most important people in the franchise history. Dose. Yeah. Maybe he just feels confident that the coach is actually really leaving. Because I think that's the only thing to be confident about. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much Oh, it, he done. You know? He done done. <laughs> Yeah, done done. When they say done done, I was like done done. I'm like, oh well. Yeah, my new team will be the Chiefs. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be jumping on that bandwagon no, pretty ain't, soon. Ain't, ain't no more room. Ain't no more room, nigga. We didn't already kick the niggas off who were actually Chiefs fans who said that they weren't going to make it. We didn't already kick them niggas off. You can't come. I, I, I never, I never, one thing, that's the one thing I have never said. I never said the Chiefs wasn't going to make it. I just wasn't rooting for them. Hey, speaking of what? Nah, what's the difference? Chiefs, Chiefs. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Chiefs and, and blocker charge. Thirteen seconds without a blocker charge. All right. By the way, that's all kinds of. I don't know. I, I guess that was a charge. Nah, nigga, that was full bone block. They was in the way. I will say though. Hey, hey! When they made that touchdown, all I saw was okay. Bills, Bills gonna win the game or whatever, cause they all celebrating, hoo hoo and ha ha and everything, and and then they uh, shifted over there to Mahomes and everything, and I'm like, Mahomes is like peeking that clock, saying, "Watch this." Kels in them. <laughs> hey, all I know about the same. I mean, yes, yes, Sean Payton did some things, but all I know is about y'all as far as recent history is, uh. Y'all were the victims of the most egregious non-call that led to <laughs> so much bu- so much bullshit of just niggas be able to review calls that referees still were not going to overturn. No. <laughs> yeah, that pass that, that, that no no that no that uh pass interference no call. Shh. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That's, the, That's pretty bad. But I mean, hey, best of luck to Sean. I mean, he did I mean he did give that city something to root for and cheer for, especially with all the bullshit that y'all had to go through outside of football. So yeah, and we had a, and we had a Super Bowl out of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, great and coach. So. Great coach. I know people, you know, debating why this, why that, and that's the joke that uh, Joe said in the pregame. They said sixteen years, but he it's only fifteen because that nigga had to sit down. For one, yeah, but, uh, he had to sit out for one. <laughs> and, and Kevin James is playing him in the movie, so yeah, he's, yeah, he's got that going for him. I, I saw that. Oh, I was movie? like, "What you talking about? Hold on, what?" Okay. Yeah, there's a movie coming out with oh, Kevin James. It's already out. It's on, ne- it's on Netflix now. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. So they're basically taking some liberties. You know, that year he took off, I think he did coach like a little league or middle school football yeah. team or some shit. Oh, yeah. So they're taking some liberties of that, and they made a movie out of it, uh, Zeb. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, about his life? Okay. No worries. Shit. That's yep. funny. I don't That's know if new it, to me. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I like old boy. Horrible. Yeah, I like old boy, so I might. I, I like Kevin James, yeah. Yeah, I might watch in the background while I do other shit and not pay attention to it. So they made the right. mall cop the Saints coach. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 You, 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 you said yeah. it perfectly. Yes. The, the, yes. the king of queens. King of queens, yes. The king of queens. Yes. Yes. 
Anyway. <laughs> oh, I thought. So you gonna be okay, then? Oh, now I forgot about this uh, nigga. Uh, now he should have been moved up. Uh, I don't want to close out on this, but fuck it, he's here. Arkansas man charged with murder for allegedly punching girlfriend's one year old in the chest and lacerating baby's heart. Kill him, nigga! You took the air out of my fucking balloon, bro. What are you Damn, doing, man? Hey. Damn. Damn. Press genitals, man. My, bad. Like that. my bad. Hold on. Hopefully in jail they be doing. <laughs> Damn, did you play Lonely Man? They know he need to be dead. Yeah. Nah, they need yeah. that nigga to scar they need to put that nigga uh in prison and get that nigga a scarlet letter that tells exactly what the fuck he did and put his ass in gym pop and see what happened. I didn't even know the oh. Amish got down like that. My bad. Right. <laughs> this one, unless you go to the show notes, that joke will be lost. <laughs> <laughs> he called the Amish. I didn't know. My bad. Uh, yeah, J- Jared Lee Ball. He, you need to get your ass kicked, bro. How about they just yeah. put that motherfucker in behind a horse and let that motherfucker kick him in his chest? Or they can just oh, put him. Yeah, yeah. They can just put him behind yeah, my car yeah. when I back out of my driveway in the morning, and I would do the state <laughs> some justice and go about my business and go to work like that never happened. Yeah, moving. Save Arkansas some money. Yep, Arkansas. Ooh, hmm. Leading, trying to get, trying to get into the 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 race early. But anyway, fuck him. All right, man. Tab's been tabulated. Anything to add? Mm-mm-mm. No, I'm good. Uh, can, can, Congratulations, Texas, for your victory for 2021. Congratulations. <laughs> you hey, and then uh, congratulations to Houston for being, you know, the murder capital of the world. Holy shit. And for having the cutest county judge in the state. Oh, shit. Oh, what? Wow. I didn't even see that. Everybody's going to be looking her up after the show. I know they are. Do it. Lena, Lena Santos, I think. Is that her name? Let's see. Lena's He's on TV every day. No, bro. I'm sorry. Lena Lena Hidalgo. H I D A L G O. Lena Hidalgo. Oh my God. I, I, wow. All these murders. She's on TV every day, brother. Bruh, uh they be listening. I brought up a boy that got rolled up in that mat, and there he is right there. Sheriff finds no file. Wow. Let's get out of here. Uh <laughs> oh my God. I hate I hate this planet. Thanos, where are you at? All right, so no one else has anything to say. We've done our part. There's fuckery. Oh. Huh? Someone oh, said, no, oh. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What I are you saying? saying? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck, for, for right now, fuck Florida. They in the lead. <laughs> fuck you, Texas. Everybody except Ruben and his family. Cool. There you go. NAC. NAC. And Lady Lavender's family. Lady Lavender's family. Yeah. All the people that we know and like, except for y'all, fuck Texas, fuck Florida. There we go. Nothing else to say. Everybody good. We here. Time to get out this motherfucker. Ruben, 10 meters, Zeb the Soldier, Slim AC, Lady Lavender, half of the Brothers of Doom, Joe Jeff. I'm the KC Stork. Brothers Breaking Bread, Triple B. Never, ever, 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 ever. Miss a moment to prepare with your brothers. We out.
and break bread with your brothers whenever possible. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in.